That's like a pontoon. I don't think anybody's ever had a bad time. What are they talking about? Just hate memories? Who are these guys? Let's just get black out on a Sunday. What is up, friends? On this episode, we are lucky enough to be joined by Pat Heist, co-founder of Wilderness Trail Distillery. Wilderness Trail is one of the hottest distilleries, making some of the most delicious bourbon and rye in Kentucky. It's time for some whiskey education and a little bit of tasting. Let's go. It's actually Dr. Pat Heist, but that's okay. Pat, thanks for coming, man. Yeah. Appreciate you making the trek from Kentucky over to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, man. It's been a great trip so far. You drive okay? Oh, yeah. Hey, we had, a, uh, we had a real quick question for you. What's the drunkest you've ever been? Um, probably, uh, we were just, Traylon and I were just discussing this, and uh, she said she's never seen me drunk. What? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I wasn't. It just means <laughs> I, uh, You hide it real well. Oh, my liquor very well. Yeah. There you go. There Challenge you go. accepted. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, there was a time, uh, it, unfortunately, it was before I turned 21, I was at a, I was the ring bearer at uh, one of my, like, distant cousin's wedding. And I got into the uh, whiskey sour fountain, mm. and it didn't end up too good. I think there was a little mess <laughs> can on the somebody, table. Can somebody write that down? A whiskey sour fountain burner. Yeah. They don't have <laughs> those anymore, awesome. trust Damn me. Isn't the, so, ring bearer, isn't the ring bearer usually like eight years old, though? Uh, that, that's about how old I was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately. I, I, think I have a, a feeling the whiskey sour fountain is how L8 got started in Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's got to be some sort of yeah. connection there. I remember almost every wedding I attended as a young child, they had whiskey sour that's fountains. That's incredible. That's which, awesome. Which there was no way you could get carded for, you know, right. yeah, it was right. just there. It's a free-for-all. You know? Like going to yeah, the Golden yeah. Corral just, and getting your just, cheese sauce. I just pictured a guy from, uh, remember Caddyshack? He kept drinking the drink. He puked in the sunroom. Uh, Judge smells his kid. You have Spalding. nothing like it. Spalding. Spalding. Thank you, Spalding. He was drinking the floaters. You have nothing in like it. That's awesome. That's well, yeah, hilarious. We, uh, we appreciate you coming in, man. We're yeah. extremely excited to, uh, to have you here. Wilderness Trail, one of our uh, media favorites, newest favorites, I would say. Uh, we got into it probably a little over a year ago, so it's awesome, man. We appreciate you being here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you get started in bourbon coming from a rock band? Well, um, you know, it started off, my, my current business partner, Shane Baker, uh, we actually played in a rock band together. We actually met through a, through a mutual friend of ours who played drums, and Shane, he's a guitar player, I like to sing, and the drummer guy, who was my friend and his friend both, uh, introduced us, and we started a band called Fulcrum. That mm. was, my business partner's an engineer, so you can tell the engineers won out on the, <laughs> oh, the band. Producers in love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. So, uh, but we started off in rock band, and he's kind of a business guy. I mean, not only is he an engineer, but he he had a lot of dealings with Fortune 500 companies, and he did. It was in venture capital, and I was finishing up my PhD, and uh, ended up as a a, a, my first job out of college even though my phd is in plant pathology my first job was a medical microbiology professor at an osteopathic medical school in Mm. eastern kentucky you just said five words i can't (laughs) spell or ever pronounce again probably they're they're googling every one of those (laughs) Uh plant pathology what it plus one what's that Uh do (laughs) google plant (laughs) yeah so that's kind of how, you know, that's how I met my business partner. And then while I was a professor at the medical school, I started consulting for some companies that sold yeast to 
fuel alcohol distilleries. Mm. And so I started getting into it that way and then very quickly realized, you know, shit, man, I can do this myself. So I got with Shane and uh, we started a company called Firm Solutions, Firm, F-E-R-M, yep. as in fermentation. And we currently do business with uh, several hundred distilleries and breweries, mainly here in North America, but also around the world. Okay. So um, we did. We started Firm Solutions back in 2006, and then about 2012, here we are taking phone calls from you know some of the most famous master distillers in the world, helping them with their problems. We're like, man, we ought to have a distillery. So we started Wilderness Trail 2012. Started distilling in 2013. Uh, one barrel a day operation, one barrel a day, five days a week. And within seven short years, we've gone up to 220 barrels, seven days a week, have become the 14th largest bourbon producer, and we've just become the 18th member of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. So that's you, right? Yep. So, so you still do from oh, Solutions. Yeah, yeah we okay. had our best year ever last year that's with awesome. Solutions. So where did Wilderness Trail come from? The name, well, if you thought of that. Yeah. The, the Wilderness Trail is actually a geographical location. So the Wilderness Trail is the trail that, like Daniel Boone and other early settlers, brought right. people through the Cumberland Gap to settle in areas like Danville, Kentucky. So the Wilderness Trail, Wilderness Trace, Wilderness Road, we actually started off as Wilderness Trace. Uh, I heard about that. I uh, didn't go over too good. <laughs> so uh, we uh, made a so, slight somebody little... Somebody didn't uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Somebody else had about the extra 20 more billion dollars than what we had. That <laughs> makes sense. Name a little better. <laughs> so like, we changed sounds it, like Walker's uh, family. Uh-huh. Yeah, we changed it to trail, no problem. And But the Wilderness Trail is actually a geographic area. The, the, the okay. Wilderness Trail comes through Danville. It splits off and goes to Fort Boonesboro, Kentucky, and then up to Louisville. So it's actually, a, or our phone book actually says Wilderness Trace on it. So gotcha. kind of felt like it was okay to do that. <laughs> yeah. But we like Wilderness Trail anyway. That's awesome. And uh, how did it get started in Danville? Well, my business partner was born in Danville, and his grandmother actually uh, started off her career in distilling, not in distilling, she was actually in the finance for Kentucky River Distilling, which was the E.J. Curley Distillery. Okay. And which became the producer or yeah, producer for Canada Dry, hmm. and then she ended up at Stitzel Weller, and then right. retired mm-hmm. from Stitzel Weller in the '90s. So Kentucky River Distilling is right; it, it's in the county right next to Danville, and so uh, Shane already had a home there, and I was living in Eastern Kentucky at the okay. med, you know where I was teaching at the medical school in Pikeville, and so I was already kind of really more familiar. Danville's really close to Lexington, yep. and obviously with PhD and everything, I spent a shitload of years in, in Lexington. Lexington. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honing in my skills. <laughs> uh, Plant pathology. Mm-hmm. I'm Googling so, that right now. What, is that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's weed. I don't, I'm pretty no, sure it's okay, weed. You've never smoked weed. So you have no idea. Oh, but I know a lot about it. More than I should. Uh, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> we've, uh, we've, we're actually familiar with Danville. Okay. Although I have to say, I think we've all only seen it at night. Yes. Okay. Yes. We run the Bourbon Chase Relay yeah. through Danville. We stay at the Hampton Inn right there overnight just to grab a shower okay. and yep. about a 30-minute nap. And Subway. And we grab the Subway, so, subway. right off. Yeah, yeah. The Subway right there. That's yeah. all we know about Danville. Okay. Subway or, or uh, Fazoli's. That's right. I didn't have Fazoli's. I, I was with, uh, what's his face? He was driving our van. He shouldn't drive at night or ever. Ever. Um, I just remember like I was uh, not sleeping. I had my foot in an ice bucket trying to numb it so I could run. But that Subway was legit. <laughs> that was a good It's the only thing open. It's the only thing open. It's the only thing open. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool, man. So, um, 
you're a doctor. You're a, a learned PhD, doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we were asking each other, do you know how to make meth? Um, I could find out pretty quick. You know, I've never made it before, but yeah. apparently it's really easy to. I, I, Not we, everybody we, can be we, Walter White. We, we were talking about this. I have a, a, a mutual friend uh, from our fraternity, and he is a uh, he teaches freshman chemistry at Duke. And uh, he has the funniest story. He's like, first of all, you think all these Duke kids are super smart. They're dumb as shit, too. They're still 18-year-old <laughs> kids who are dumb as hell. They just got somebody's mom or dad had money, and now you're at got Duke. Him. He's like, well, we were bored in the lab one day, and we said, how hard can it be to make meth? They made it. Damn. And he, he was like, hey, I'm surprised more rednecks don't die making this stuff. I was like, they all die using it. But he's like, it's the, he's like it is scary how easy it is to make no it. Joke. It made, it made oh, yeah. the, the Breaking Bad reference, but... Yeah, no, we, we were thinking, I was like, man, he's got a PhD in all this cool well, stuff. Well, I'm a microbiologist. A lot of people think that okay. just because you got a PhD in science, you know everything there is to know about every area of science. So I'm actually not really a great chemist. Uh, I'm more, I mean, I know a lot about biochemistry, right. microbiology. That's kind of more my thing. Um, but, yeah. I'm, so you, are you more attached to the yeast strains and understanding that portion yeah. versus um, the Well, I mean, now, and- now that we've you know been operating wilderness trail for a, a while i mean now we do get into a lot of chemistry you know the gotcha. chemistry of fermentation the chemistry of the distillate you know there's different types of we use liquid chromatography whenever we're looking at the fermentation like sugar utilization alcohol production organic acid production which we use certain organic acids like lactic acid as an indicator of bacterial contamination mm. So there's a lot of chemistry there. And then once you distill the product, you've got all the different, I mean, there's over 2,200 chemicals that we've identified or not identified, but, but that we know are there. We're still working on identifying them all, but there's a lot of chemistry on that. And that would be gas chromatography is what we use for, or mass spectroscopy is, is another tool that we use for looking at the distillate. And then again, you got the white dog and then all through aging, and then even what happens when it's in the bottle type of stuff. So I think that brings up a good question. You just went through, actually, you should probably be talking to a producer more than you should talk to us. because he, he was looking at me while he was talking. He was <laughs> looking at you guys. He could say, this, guy, this guy's on my level. Right. This guy loves what I'm saying. <laughs> this show, I just heard lactic acid and said, I had plenty of that in my legs. I got plenty of lactic acid. I was getting an understanding look from him. This show is loosely based on facts <laughs> and very little science, if any. You start talking Excel spreadsheets <laughs> and pivot tables, that guy, man. We know how our blood alcohol level reacts to certain drinks. That's about it. Yeah. But uh, so, so in your estimation, making bourbon, making whiskey is more of a chemistry project than it is an art. Or is it a little bit of both? Uh, oh, there, there's definitely a lot of art to okay. it. I mean, every step of the way, you know, you've got the grain selection, you know, just it. I mean, when, when we say, you know, bourbon is made from a recipe of not less than 51% corn, I mean, that is like a small statement in the world of what just all kinds of corn could go into there. That's true. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you think of corn, you think of number two yellow dent corn. But you could, it could be grown in different states, different counties, different varieties. And so we actually, uh, just on the subject of grain, we use all local grains that we can. Like we can't get malted barley in Kentucky, sure. so we get that from out of the state. But we use a local seed farmer for our corn and our wheat and our rye. So where they're a seed farmer, they actually keep their variety separate. So we actually can use the same variety each and every year. 
And just being in agriculture and kind of being familiar with grains that are grown across the state, I mean, there's a big-time difference in the, the, uh, just the lay of the land, the landscape uh, of central Kentucky where we are compared to western Kentucky, which is a lot flatter and there's, you know, bigger, bigger crops out there. Yeah. But big differences in the soil types, uh, you know, river bottom land versus, you know, red clay and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of differences, not only just the varieties of grain, but where they're grown, how long they're grown, what time of the year they harvested, how are they dried, et cetera, et cetera. There's just shitloads. So, so you could you could plant the same seed, just different place, different soil, and have a, how how different would it be? Like, extremely? um, I mean, not extremely different, but, but different, still different enough, enough to where to, you yeah. would know it's different. You know, kind of like you know, you could take Cuban tobacco seeds and grow them here, but you're not going to be able to make Cuban cigars, right? You right. know, because the climate's so much different sure. there versus here. So, is there there's still this um, idea that once you put it in the barrel, you still don't know exactly how it's going to turn out? Or do you know when you dump it in the barrel, man, that's an absolute banger? Well, you Ooh, know. Good banger use. Yeah. Early, early in the show. All bangers, no skips. <laughs> early well, in the well show. Played. Nice well terminology. Well, I mean, you can definitely tell if it's going to be god awful before okay. it goes into okay. the barrel. Okay. So, and you know, where we do a lot of, you know, we make whiskey at Wilderness Trail not only for our own brand, but we make for other brands. We do a good oh, okay. bit of contract production there. So, oh, that what that does cool. is it kind of exposes us to a lot of different mash bills that we wouldn't have normally made on our own. Mm. So, it gives us kind of, and, and not only that, but working with hundreds of other distilleries. And yeast providers, one thing that we didn't realize when we started our yeast company is that the yeast gets to blame for every problem that a distillery has because mm. a lot of issues manifest themselves in fermentation. So the question is, hey, how come this fucking yeast ain't working? <laughs> and so we're like the first responders, you know, hey, how come this fucking yeast isn't working? <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, let's take a step back here. Let's look at what, what kind of grain you're using, how you're processing that grain, what's the quality of that grain. Um, you know, it could be a yeast issue, but usually that'll be something around fer- like temp- temperature, for example, or pH, or somebody left cleaning solution in the tank, started filling mash mm. on top of it. I mean, there's there's other uh, yeah. there's mycotoxins that could be in the grain that would cause toxicity. Um, there's bacterial contamination. You could have a raccoon stuck in the recirculation line. You, you never know what the hell the problem is going to be. But most often, I'm the thinking, problem isn't the yeast. I'm thinking 409 and a mash bill is not a good mix. No. Or, or raccoon turds. But, I, but I'm pretty either. sure I've had a bottle with mycotoxin in it. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. Yeah. No, that's just you getting too drunk and blaming no, the No, it's most of plus one screw top bottles. <laughs> it's most of screw tops. Mm-hmm. I mean, that JTS Brown for 11.99 for right. screw top. That's so solid, we, though. You, you made like a comment JTS. earlier. You Oh, the JTS Brown. I got to turn on to that for my buddy who lives in Kentucky, mm-hmm. who's kind of my, my unofficial. There's a bottle in bond in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, he's my unofficial yeah. plug. And he's like, dude, he's like, he does a, a podcast, his friends. And one night they did a uh, best bottle brown bag, 15 bucks and under was the price limit. And he's like, JTS Brown won, mm-hmm. hands down. Everybody said JTS Brown. Mm-hmm. You made a comment earlier that I want, this is curious. You said, you know, before it goes in the barrel, if it's good or bad. Can yeah. you elaborate on that? How, how do you know? Because when it, I guess, I don't, I don't know the whole process. I'm not a scientist, like Burner, you guys are. Just call it white dog. Yeah. So it comes out just clear. You know it's either good or shit at that point. How do you, what do you know by that? Well, what we know is we know what proof it came off the steel. We know what proof it's going to go into the barrel. 
the proof that we always use when we're doing our organoleptic testing in the lab, like that's where we're lining up. So every day we turn six fermenters. We got three, we have uh, 20,000 gallon fermenters, we have 4,000 gallon fermenters. So we turn three 20,000s a day and three 4,000s a day. And wow. each one of those fermenters will be considered a batch. From the 20,000 gallon batches, we get 60 barrels from each of those batches. So we look at each of the clear liquid that came, the distillate that comes off each one of those batches. So every three or four days, we've got probably 25 or 30 different samples lined up. And we proof those down to 40 proof. Mm. That's pretty typical for what a distillery does whenever they're tasting it, smelling it before it goes into the barrel mm. because it spreads out all those flavors. If you're tasting 137 proof Fire distillate waters. that came off the still, everything's so concentrated, you really can't pick out right. problems. So we proof it down to that 40 proof, and then we go down the line, basically like you would if you're doing a bourbon tasting. You know, what's the aroma? Is it clear? Uh, what do the legs look like on it, et cetera, et cetera, the, the flavor. And you can pretty much immediately tell if there's a problem with it. Gotcha. I mean, we've got pretty uh, just kind of standard terminology for, you know, is it tastes like acid aldehyde? Is, is it tailsy? You know, those kind of just very. What does tailsy mean? Tailsy is like when you're, you know, you got your heads, your hearts, and your mm -hmm. tails. Whenever uh, you gotcha. look at, okay. it, when you're looking at a pot still. Now, heads and tails are automatically dealt with on column distillation, but tails are what, like higher boiling. Like if you're if you're distilling on a pot still, the tails would be the last thing that comes out, which would be the higher temperature boiling chemicals sure. like propanol, for example. Gotcha. So that's it's kind of a grassy flavor. Okay. For okay. lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, so we can tell that kind of stuff. How, how much? How much do you, <laughs> you weigh? Just shake your head. I, like he just, just went back to science and had a nightmare. Like he woke up in class, had a test, and then prepare for it. And then you know these words. And you're like, uh, I feel like that when I'm back in freshman year at Ohio State, and I have I have Ohio, a failing Ohio grade Wesleyan. in chemistry because I didn't attend class the entire year, and I studied for nine hours in the library, aced the test, and barely held my scholarship. That's what I feel like right now. Like, I'm just yeah. absorbing everything. That's a real everything. story? That's a real story. Damn. Athletic, and my scholarship, scholarship, it wasn't just, just it was lose the scholarship. It was to lose the scholarship forever. Damn. Never get it back. This is my very first quarter at, at Ohio State. Right. Yeah. Now I have recurring nightmares of, like, I'm in calculus, and I've missed all the classes, and right. it's coming <laughs> right. up on the midterm, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And then I wake up and pool of sweat, you know, <laughs> thank God. I look on the wall, is my PhD. That's, that's your dream. Yeah, that's more my wet dream. But. <laughs> <laughs> different different thing, though. <laughs> different thing, though. Because he's not worried. He know he'd be able to oh, overcome. He's, yeah, he's oh, got it. Yeah. I'm, like, worried. Those numbers <laughs> run through his head. How much uh, How much do you waste in the, in, the ta in the tails? How much do you waste before the product actually gets into the barrel? Um, well, the tails on a column system are pretty scant. I mean, I would say that it doesn't really amount to a whole lot, and it's a bunch of garbage. So on a and I'm assuming column is because it's going vertical. Column, There's yeah, column still. You got the mash going in the top of the column going down. Okay. On a pot still, you still have columns associated with pot stills, but they're called rectifying columns. At the very top of a beer column, you actually have a couple rectifying plates up there mm. because that's where the distillate, the vapor from the distillate's actually going up. And it processes a little bit, then it goes over and gets condensed into a low wine, goes into the doubler, gets reboiled, and then that's going to be your high wine that's going to go into the barrel. Gotcha. So on a on a pot still, you know you're act you're actively taking those cuts. You know the first stuff that comes over is your heads. You'll you'll collect that. 
um, and keep it separate from what's called your hearts, which is what's going to go into the barrel. And then your tails is the last stuff. You'll still collect that because it's got a lot of alcohol in it, and you just recycle it, dump it into the next batch. Okay. So on a pot still versus a column still, where you're condensing at two points, your low wines and your high wines, you condense your low wines, which is the vapor coming out of the top of the column, you condense that at a high enough temperature that your heads are still in vapor form. So they just get vented out the side of the building. And then your tails, a lot of that ends up with your stillage, the leftover water and the grains that, that is the, the byproduct of the process that we end up giving to cattle farmers. Oh, so, really? And then any, and any tails that make it over to the doubler, your vapor temp or our vapor temperature that we're condensing at coming out of our doubler is about 186, 187 degrees. So your tail components are going to be 200 degrees plus boiling point. So they never make it out of the what are called the lees in the uh, doubler. Gotcha. I think 186, 187 is right at the temperature my wife likes to take a shower. Okay. Scalding yeah. hot. Scalding hot. Scalding hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. She always asked me if I could turn the water heater back up. <laughs> With a pot light? Like, put, what's that flame signal? Put it on that. I so yeah. when you guys are, are, are creating your bourbon and, and making a bottle, like, what's the most important? I, I know there's probably not one you could say is, is always this. Is it mat, here, you know, mash bill is important. Is the char of the barrel, the age? Like, what's, you know, really you say, hey, this part here is the make or break aspect, I guess, or characteristic. Well, you can, I mean, just as bourbon and rye whiskey drinkers, you know the difference between, you know, if you got the higher ryes going into yep. there, the, the the big differences that it can make on flavor. But the quality of the fermentation, and that's really our area of expertise, you know, if you don't have a good fermentation, and, and you know, there's kind of different definitions of good fermentation. I mean, you can look at it from a yield perspective. How many proof gallons of alcohol are we making per bushel of grain? You can look at it from a flavor perspective, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways of, of gauging success. I mean, you can make the best bottle of bourbon ever, but if I'm only getting five bottles when I should have got 200 bottles, right. you're fucking up on the business side <laughs> of things. It's pretty inefficient. Yeah, yeah. Bacterial contamination, and not just bacterial, but microbial contamination. There's a lot of wild yeast that can contaminate the process. Right. And, and if you look at some of the old historic distilleries, they're running like cypress fermenters, you know, wooden fermenters versus mm. stainless steel. Um, the header systems that deliver the mash to those tanks, are they very complicated and hard to clean versus very direct and very easy to clean? So there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that can contribute to microbial contamination, which will just give you all kinds of different, some of them positive flavors, but in some cases not. So we try to really keep a good handle on that through the testing that we do of the batches throughout fermentation as well as so i was talking about lactic acid earlier Mm -hmm. that's our indicator of bacterial contamination so that's an organic acid that is produced by bacteria but it's not produced by yeast so if that's accumulating in the fermentation we know there have to be bacteria something else in there so if that gets above a certain level which for us is 0.3 percent then the laboratory, which we got Firm Solutions Lab right. right on the side of our distillery, we can go in there, we can actually culture the organisms from that batch. We isolate those in pure culture. We cryogenically store those. We've got over 65,000 bacteria stored on our facility from distilleries all over the world. Damn. And if you ever wanted to recreate like some of the famous old scotches and it's some of these really old distilleries, you certainly would have to consider the contaminating organisms that are in there. So right, we've right. got this huge collection 
that we're just trying and now we got our own distillery when we get a certain flavor profile we can say oh wow that's from this particular organism so if we ever want to like put that into there we could incorporate that organism into and the reason we save wow. these bugs is four or five years down the road if that's the best shit ever you're like man what let me revisit those contaminants so where we're, we're just coming up on eight-year-old stuff We've got limited amount of data from right. our facility, and we try to run ours very clean, so we don't have a lot of bacterial issues, but our clients do. And so we, we culture yeah. from their distilleries, and we, we catalog those organisms, and that's a big part that people a lot of times don't think about. I'd have to imagine a guy with your background and then Shane's background being an engineer— that those two things obviously oh, yeah. keep you hypersensitive oh, towards yeah. bacteria yeah, yeah, contamination absolutely. and also testing. Yeah, there's yeah. another there's another business for y'all. The guys that don't have the same standards of wiping out the bacteria and having contaminants, y'all could say, "Hey, we'll come in and, and do a consult for y'all and show you how to do things." Oh yeah, yeah, we do. Sure that. Do. I mean, yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. do it now, but oh, God, yeah. it's crazy. You yeah, work with yeah. distilleries that are more than just bourbon, so you're working with Scotch guys and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Any kind. That's I mean, cool. we work with rum, tequila. We even do fuel alcohol. You know, yeah, fuel, yeah, there's yeah. a yeah. 15 billion gallons of 200 proof alcohol made every year in the United States for all 15% of all the fuel that you burn by at the gas stations got ethyl alcohol in it. Hmm. And that's made it big fuel alcohol distilleries that make it primarily from hundred percent corn. Yeah. Wow. They're highly sophisticated. So sure. we learned a lot of our sophistication from over at those places and then bridge that over to uh have to alcohol. imagine all the uh, race teams up here, 20 minutes North in Mar- Mooresville burning a lot of that fuel too. oh yeah methanol yeah. and ethanol yeah oh you got what 90 awesome. of all nascars in a 20 mile radius so yeah a lot of corn and concord <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure well it's amazing that the um that it's not just the ingredients that go in but also like the the stuff you don't think about like yeah. you say the contaminants that actually make it better if you will it's not necessarily what you meant to put in but what contaminated that to make it like the flavor profile mm-hmm. you're looking at. That's, now, when, that's a lot really of times cool. when you think about bacteria, you're thinking strep throat and all these diseases and pathogens. Right. But the, uh, and having studied these organisms, we know that most all of the bacteria that contaminate distilleries and breweries, those are the same bacteria that they're marketing as probiotics now. That's right. That's so right. We, we've arguably got the world's it's largest repository of uh, probiotic organisms. So you guys ever want to get into a secondary business and make a couple billion? We're listening. Let me know. <laughs> That's let's, great. Let's, let's go sell some yogurt. Yeah. We is, got the bacteria. This, you guys figure the rest. This of is completely out. This is completely off, off topic, but uh, associated to bacteria. What is your take on the unbelievable increased use in hand sanitizer? Um, well, the thing about hand sanitizer compared to like antibiotics, mm-hmm. you know, antibiotics are very specific. Hand sanitizer, it just wipes out everything because it completely decimates cell walls and things. Right. So uh, there could be a change in, like if there is an organism that would stay behind, you know, from, from, and be selected for with that. I mean, we haven't really seen it yet, but, uh, if you imagine, you know, I mean, people aren't getting a hundred percent coverage and I mean, there's, there's definitely a some points to argue there are we killing too much good bacteria um well i don't think you know if you look at covid and everything i think the whole hand sanitizer it's probably better for avoiding covid than any risk that you would have of mutating skin organisms right you know this is how the zombie apocalypse starts starts with it's hand hand sanitizer sanitizer and bath salts (laughs) now if you consider that almost every tourist that comes into a distillery sticks their finger in fermenter it could be actually a good thing for whiskey uh use of extended use of hand sanitizer i think uh i think rabbit hole put a video out on facebook the other day and and the 
I don't know if it was the master distiller or who it was, was had their hand under there and the distillate was coming off and just washing over their hand. People were just blasting them on Facebook. And think and there were a couple of guys that jumped in and said, Hey, if what's hitting his hand grabs bacteria and doesn't kill it, then you don't want to drink it to begin yeah. with. All right. So yeah, yeah. I just found it hilarious that yeah, people get worked up over yeah, things. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it is marketing, right? Because well, we've all been marketed something that might not yeah. exactly be true. So Well, there's a lot of soccer moms on Facebook who are part time scientists and they know <laughs> might be full time scientists. They know more than you know because they talk to somebody else in a blog. Yeah. And so of, I know a lot you, of chats all, like uh, that. Have you seen the recent article that came out in Vine Pair? I was uh, quoted in there about the neck pour. Uh-uh. It's like blowing up, man. Like people are freaking out. Like the the I, the the question that was brought to me by the one who who did the piece was, you know, just getting my opinion on the neck pour. Is that an inferior pour compared to everything else? I've had that question because I like it. Yeah, well, it's there's no doubt that the whiskey changes over time mm-hmm. in the bottle. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Right. But but really, where people were kind of a lot of chatter was getting formed was all the opinions about well why you know is it oxidation is it i mean you know in my argument for oxidation it's like it's sitting in a permeable a permeable barrel for four plus years right i mean it's it's distilled in open air so if any oxidation is going to occur it should have already occurred you know that pop in the bottle isn't going to be different it's sitting in the barrel for five years right or getting dumped out of that barrel in the open air etc cetera, etc cetera. So we look more about evaporation and those types of things, uh, but it's pretty interesting. That's awesome. The there are a lot of people that hate the neck pour. Yeah, that, the term. It gets a lot of grief. Yeah. 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 All I think about is you know, cousin Eddie, <laughs> save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how much does the Rickhouse matter and the movement? And do you guys move as much as some other folks? I, there's a lot of fanboys out there that look for certain Rickhouses from certain distilleries, yeah. and it has to be on a certain floor, right? Uh, oh, yeah. I think it's uh, is like it Russell's Deetsville, Reserve. Think of Deetsville, like in association with yeah. Heaven Hill. Yeah, uh, Russell's Reserve's got uh, Cox Creek, and I mean, there's different different locations of barrel warehouses that have become famous. Now, is that because those barrel warehouses had some really good old juice in them? That's what I'm trying uh, to figure but, out. But it definitely makes a big difference. I mean, we can tell. You know, the the main things that you got to consider in terms of barrel aging, number one is evaporative loss. You know, that really affects the how things get concentrated. It really uh, brings in a lot of potential for oxidation and other things. But there's chemical reactions that are occurring. There's chemical extraction from the barrel. So there's a lot of different things going on. And th- all those different things are dependent on humidity, the climate of the area, you know, what are the, what's the average yearly temperature, what's the highs, what's the lows, what are the fluctuations. You know, in a barrel warehouse is full, so the warehouse that we're building nowadays, we're doing 24,000. Okay. So if you consider a warehouse is full with 24,000 barrels, if the weather, like in Kentucky, it could be 70 one day and 20 the next. Right. Yep. Well, hell, the, the whole warehouse isn't, all that liquid is not going to change it's kind of like if you got a block of ice sitting in the middle of this room, just because it gets warm outside doesn't mean it's going to heat up in That's here right. because you got that block of ice in here. So those barrels act as a heat sink and kind of keep the warehouse from having any super uh, kind of regulate itself. Yeah, in in mm. temperature. Gotcha. So That's interesting. But it's it's big it's big time important. We're on our we're actually we've just finished construction of our eighth barrel warehouse. We've got 
11 more going in over the next three years. And so as we wow. start to fill those houses, I mean, some of them are oriented east to west, north to south. They're, you know, different elevations, so different prevailing winds. And there's a hell of a lot of, you know, is it a traditional rickhouse versus palletized storage? Right. You know, we do all music construction, traditional rickhouses like most of the other big old distilleries where you've got a subfloor for air movement yep. if it's palletized the barrels are sitting on a pallet right on the concrete floor mm. so there's not a lot of uh, air movement under those each row or rick has a uh, space in between it which is allows for airflow mm -hmm. so depending on how you're you're set up you know your warehouse is it's hugely important oh that's interesting yeah. but, sure. but do you move barrels around within the rick house like, we, as we a region, do, you do but really it's more out of some other reason besides we're trying to get taste better like you know all of our barrels that we're getting ready to bottle we tend to move to what's our warehouse a which is our first warehouse we ever built was a 2200 barrel house that was supposed to be our forever warehouse because gotcha. we're only doing 300 barrels a year at that point we kind of multiply that by five that's 1500 right. gives us a little wiggle room and now we're filling a 24,000 barrel house about every 100 days <laughs> that's nuts yeah it's what? insane that is, I mean, it's a lot of juice. So your rickhouse movement is based on production. It's right now based it on is. The process. Yeah, yeah, we don't really. Yeah. yeah. Now what, what, we consider if something's sitting on the sixth floor, you know, we might be inclined to move that down. Or if something's been sitting on the bottom floor and we're looking to bottle it within the next year, we might move it up to the top. You know, get a little yeah. bit of that heat. But those would be the reasons why we would move instead of any type of an organized barrel rotation program. When you and uh, when you and Shane first sat down and talked about this, what was the goal, and have you surpassed that goal? Oh hell! I mean, our goal initially <laughs> was just simply to have a distillery. You know, gotcha. hey man, yeah, yeah. We, we do a lot of training for the other distilleries, yep. and so it was kind of like you know we can take this from a classroom whiteboard to actually you you have to have a distilled spirits permit if you're going to distill legally at any level. So our first still is a 250 gallon Vendome pot still. So again, that's 11 hours to make one barrel on that thing. Right. We can do, you know, 11 hours now, we can do 100 and something barrels. So um, <laughs> to think that that's it would be... That's called scaling. Yeah. That's how you scale a business. It's called to, profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we started, <laughs> we, we didn't... We, we, everything's moved so quickly for us. It's really been, I mean, insane. I mean, we're almost like just today kind of looking at ourselves like, holy shit, man, you serious? I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean people it's come to our distillery. Like, if you guys haven't been, when you turn the corner, you're going to hear like the Imperial Death March playing in your head <laughs> from Star Wars, yeah, man, because it's star fucking badass, man. That's all, we can't wait to visit. Yeah. Star Wars reference. I love it. Yeah. We're, we've made it. Uh, no, yeah, we're definitely going to come out there. Oh, absolutely. Um, how, when y'all are doing the maturation, how often are y'all tasting what's in the barrel through the cycle? Please tell me it's all the time. Well, when we first That's started you the distillery, See, you can't have the distillery. You would just again. I can't have a lot of things. Don't get high on your own supply. That's See, the rule. That's what I didn't That's learn about rule. weed. <laughs> yeah. Same for your same for your juice. Uh -huh. <laughs> so when we first started the distillery, and I remember we still got our first barrel sitting out there, and that thing looks like it's been hit with a Tommy gun. So, you know, we're like, hey, what does it taste like at day one? And then next yeah. day, we're like, hey, well, day two, here we are. Let's try it again, you know? And, uh, I mean, it was kind of like... That's the, exactly 
exactly. It was kind of like exactly uh, it's I'm sort of like if you've got three kids, you you probably have more pictures taken of your first kid Whoa. than all your other family combined. And it's kind of like that with barrels. You know, you, you get your first barrels and you're tasting the shit out of them. But over time, I mean, we sort of just we're in such fast paced motion right now. We got p- people come, multiple groups coming in every day doing barrel picks and. So we have a lot of opportunities to get out there with the people that, that love our stuff. And, and we're, we're doing plenty of tasting on those lines. And we also learned that shit just don't taste good till it's three plus years That's old. That's right. I yeah. mean, we don't bottle anything unless it's four, four years, four months, unless it's like a barrel pick. of some, You know, sometimes we'll throw in like a three and something year old, like on a rye picks. And, and somebody just liked it. Picks. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Huh. Yep. <clears throat> what, what what do you, you know? The, I feel like the barrel picks are now like the new soup du jour. Yep. I feel like every, every club you've got, everybody's got their stickers, their taters. You know, they're all doing their. I think mm-hmm. as, as barrel picks like good for the industry, oh, whatever yeah. it is. I mean, I feel like it's like you get some clubs. Yeah. When they do a barrel pick, everybody wants it. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and L just based on the stickers. I mean, I know. Uh, I think it was LFG. Did a barrel pick of uh, the new riff. Remember the one riff Patino? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it had yep. like the, the half yep. their face was half right. being in Kentucky, and the other half was strippers and everything <laughs> from Louisville. Well, just I mean, I'm sure that was a really great pick, but that sticker just kind of sent yep. shock waves. And I mean, I remember I, I tried to give somebody six hundred bucks for a bottle of it, wow. and they'd turn me down. So, so there's definitely some crazy weight behind some of those picks. I mean, some places are really well-known to do excellent picks. So, you know, you can go into that store with confidence and know yeah. that if they have a pick, it's going to be good. And then this whole sticker thing, which is usually – I mean, we always send the pack of stickers with the – because that's kind of a consumer thing. Because for us, you know, we got to have a cola. To, you know, for, that, for a particular label, that would kind of have to be considered as our label. And right. so all the sticker stuff is kind of a little bit, you know, crazy. New, um, New Riff kind of has a lock on the sticker game. They are well. It's the I groups. Seen, the groups that yeah. do the groups, picks are the man. ones coming up with the stickers. Yeah, yeah they, you know? they did that and, Woody. And, and that and Woody the wax. Yeah, the wax. The wax. Too. Yeah. Well, they did that Woody. Uh, um, Toy Story. Woody pick. Toy Story they, one. They mm-hmm. did that That's one. They crazy. did the Jurassic Park one. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've I've seen their stuff go for incredible uh, amounts of money on the secondary. Mm-hmm. And it's still the same juice. It's still the four year juice in there, whatever it might be, but. Yeah, people people absolutely love it. Well, now I will say this. You know, we've got a guy, uh, Macaulay Minton. He is our barrel pick guy, okay. pretty much. And he's like the most famous guy at the distillery nowadays. But, but he is a really – he does a really good job of curating barrels. We're not just going out there and picking six barrels and saying, you know, here, which one do you like the best? Right. We're going out there and picking some really killer barrels so that the groups coming in doing the barrel picks are already going to be ahead of the game. There's not going to be any barrels they don't like. Right. And for that reason, we have a lot of groups say, hey, I'll take all six barrels. Wow. Yeah, we actually kind of screwed ourselves the first year we did barrel picks <laughs> because we were like, okay, we're going to do 300 barrel picks this year. Well, end of the year, because we were planning for our sixth year and how much seven year we're going to have. And we're, we got to looking at everything, and it was like, well, we didn't do 300 barrel picks. We did like 900. So how in the hell did that happen? It's like, well, hell, most of the people got three-plus barrels on every pick, and we didn't consider that they, they being us right, ourselves, right. allowed it to happen. So it was our own fault, but – you know, it's just nuts. You That's know, awesome. How, how it goes. I, when you, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, th- I definitely think the barrel pick process brings the consumer a little bit closer to the to the oh, entire yeah. process or the yeah, flavors yeah. or what they're experiencing, whether they're relying on their local store that they trust 
or if they're relying on a group or if they're coming to your place and doing it themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, we, it's a personalized experience. It's yeah. Really cool. Absolutely. And those groups, man, I mean, we, we did a pick with the uh, British Bourbon Society. It was actually, I think, our first barrel pick we ever did was with the British Bourbon Society. And I'll be damned if every person that took a drink out of any one of those barrels put out a podcast about it. I really? mean, it was just like, wow. yeah, man, it like broke bad over in Europe uh, just because of the, the publicity. And, and that's in lockdown, too, you know, COVID and everything. You oh, know, yeah. people are, ain't anything else to do shit, man. Yeah. I'll do a, a live tasting or something. So a lot of the barrel picks... Uh, people do, you know, or tend to do more public uh, kind of announcements whenever they try those bottles. So that's awesome. That's just yeah. kind of double down on the marketing. Absolutely. I uh, I listened to, I think the guys are Beneath the Char. Okay. I don't know, you, I don't know if you've talked to them. Uh, yep. They mentioned you on a podcast. Uh, they men- mentioned Wilderness Trail, not you specifically. But um, they said you guys are doing it different. The distilling process is different. I know you talked about it a little bit. But what is it that you guys are doing different than everybody else or what the mm-hmm. tradition has been? What is it? And I know you got some sort of proprietary process that you use, but is it is it that meaningful and is it that unique to Wilderness Trail? Well, as I mentioned before, you know, I think that in terms of, of having the ability to keep track of every step of the process scientifically, we mm-hmm. got the laboratory there, which kind of gives us an edge because those are the same uh, techniques and the same services that we offer to the hundreds of distilleries that we do business with. But some of the very unique things that we do, probably number one will be that we use a sweet mash process. I was going to ask about so that. Yeah. Sweet so what... mash versus sour mash, you know, we're not using any back set, you know. Gotcha. So the recycled material left over from distillation is called a stillage, a.k.a. back set. So we don't recycle any back set. And the reason we don't do that is, first of all, the reason that a lot of distilleries do that is you got to get rid of that anyway. We generate 100,000 gallons of stillage at our distillery every day. And so that's 15-plus semi-trucks that we've got to manage to get out of there. To Otherwise, our tanks are full and we can't. We got to shut down. So that's the biggest pain in the ass we got at our distillery. Especially so, right now with logistics and oh, transportation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's, that's a, probably a big reason why a lot of distilleries do it. Now, the other thing is, is back set is acidic, and it acidifies your mash. Hence so, the sour. Yeah, but what that does is it decreases the potential for microbial contamination, probably more than anything. So when people say we put back set in to make it more, um, you know, to make it more consistent, I think what they mean is their batches come out more consistent than, because a lot of people think that that inoculates it with yeast. They're like, we want to keep the same yeast strain. So, well, shit, man, anything coming off the still at 213 plus degrees, the yeast ain't got a chance of hell. Right, right. And maybe right, yeah. maybe 99.9 are dead and 0.1 are still there, but that's not going to be any no. meaningful amount of inoculation. So, a lot of people misunderstand and think that that is recently, kind of like sourdough bread. You know, you're actually using live culture from your, mm-hmm. you're not taking a piece off the baked bread and putting it in there so that's kind of where you know gotcha so we're we're not worried about bacterial contamination because we're the company that hundreds of distillers rely on whenever they need help with that kind of stuff so we kind of have a handle on that or kind of in layman's terms you're you're starting pure yeah you're not you're not recycling well just when you look at if you if your goal is to make a very consistent product then why would you want one of your ingredients to be something that's inherently inconsistent right Right. You know, if yeah. I got a contaminated, you can't batch, control what's coming off that. Yeah, well, you 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 
you can control it, but you, it's not practical to gotcha. control it. Gotcha. And the other thing is, especially when you get into smaller distilleries, if you're not running 24-7, your stillage might be at room temperature by the next day. So it doesn't make sense. You're not getting any heat recovery off of it. So uh, there's a lot of reasons why you would or wouldn't want to use it. Now, having said that, most of the great bourbons that I'm staring at over here in your cabinet, those are almost all sour mash. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt that sour mash makes a great whiskey, but sweet mash is just a little bit different. The pH is different of the fermentation. The pH of the distillate is different. And so when you drink a barrel pick of ours, which, you know, barrel strength, yep. it, it tends to go down a little smoother than a barrel pick from a sour mash, and most likely because of the pH of that distillate. Gotcha. So that's something else that's a little different. Well, yeah, um, I mean, if, it's, if it's too spicy, plus one won't he's fuck out. Me, well, gonna fuck he's out. He, he nope. drain pours it. Hard pass. Drain pour. If it's, if it's, if it's over 84 proof, he don't want it. That's right. <laughs> he's, he's, shimming, he's giving the plus one signal over there. Plus one, motherfucker. We always joke because uh, we were we were so many. He's like, man, that sure is hot. It was that's, like 90 proof. It was like since, 90 proof. Since then, that's been just a joke, man. You guys got any Diet Coke? You got any Mountain Dew? Cut well, and, and getting to the proof, you know, we go into the barrel at 110. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. Most distilleries go in at 120, 125 is mm-hmm. the, I think 125 is the highest you can go in. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that's a little bit different about us. We also use, most of the Kentucky distilleries use a barrel called the Kentucky Barrel, which that is uh, made by Independent Stave, who that's who we get our barrels from. Uh, that's a three to six month air dried barrel. So the wood is air dried for three to six months prior to construction of the barrel. Mm. And that air dried is like seasoning wood. So our barrels are 18 to 24 month air dried. So you get a little bit more evaporation of tannins and other things. Uh, it increases the porosity of the wood so okay. that the whiskey can get in there a little better. We do a number four char. Most distilleries do a number three char. Okay. Um, and then... What's the difference there? A three versus a four char? Yeah. Just longer time, the flame is blasting up through there, so it takes away a little more surface area, makes the grooves a little bit deeper, deeper, and so it gets a little darker quicker. A little more permeable for the liquor to go. Mm -hmm. And it's it's darker. Almost sounds like just listening to you talk through the steps that what the process and the, the strategy that you've taken allows you to create a still a high proof bourbon, but a little bit smoother without having to age for eight to ten years yeah right yeah and that was our goal we knew that i mean you're using the science to support yeah. that. yeah we never we knew that starting our distillery that we weren't going to come out with anything that wasn't at least couldn't be mm-hmm. called bottle and bond which right. would make right. four years minimum we kind of thought six years was going to be our number and then bill thomas who uh, is one of the owners of jack rose up in dc yeah, yeah, yeah. he there. came visit us great place uh, and we had i think we were not even into four year yet and he was telling us straight up, he's like, guys, he said, if you want this to sit around, he said, put it in a stainless steel tank and let it sit around. He said, I want this it's to good change now. it all. So we, we, that was one of the reasons why we decided to bottle it four years instead of wait around. Yeah. So. Oh. Well, I, I mentioned a guy named Big Brian, which is Plus One's buddy in the neighborhood. And I think when we first opened that bottle, he was extremely surprised at the taste, the, the smoothness, the, the mouthfeel on a four-year bourbon like that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's absolutely impressive. So, well, um, we're gonna get into tasting a little bit of what you brought. So, we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, we definitely want to ask you a couple other questions, but sure. we'll uh, we'll take a little break and get set up. Yeah. 
We'd like to take this time to thank one of the friends of the show and sponsor of this episode being Bacon, Bourbon, and Beer. That was uh, nice enough to help us get Pat here today from Wilderness Trail. So Bacon, Bourbon, and Beer is a local gastro pub in the heart of Morgantown, West Virginia, as well as a second location in Washington, Pennsylvania. And they serve a local and national craft beer as well as everything bacon, and they have a wonderful bourbon selection. So please go check them out. Um, find their locations at www.baconbourbonandbeer.com. All right, first pour here. Pat, yep. what, do we, uh, what do we have in the glass? Well, first of all, we don't have a neck pour. So the other night, I Thank actually God. opened this. I opened this bottle <laughs> up because I, I was didn't like, want to "Man, spit it out. I don't want to bring three open bottles in one." You know, we're sitting here sucking on the neck pour. Plus one was over here, about ready to toss it. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. Amazing. <laughs> plus plus one finally got off the couch to come over. Yeah, it's weird. And all of a sudden, we all start pouring we start, bourbon. We start pouring good free bourbon. bourbon. Free bourbon. Free bourbon. He shows up. So, so this is our weeded bourbon, and all of our whiskeys have the mash bill on the side. So 64% corn, 24% wheat, 12% malted barley, it says right here. This one was copper pot distilled, which, you know, just within the last several months, we started releasing our uh, column still stuff. So that label will be a little bit different. It'll say column distilled on the mm. side. So you're not going to see that pot distilled around much longer. Now, normally this is single barrel Bottled in bond, which would be a hundred proof. This is a barrel pick, so it's single barrel barrel strength. So gotcha. it's not bottled in bond. This one is a one oh nine, which is kind of uh, cool because we went into the barrel at one ten. So this came out. This one actually is four years, four months old. This one was in a Seguin Moreau barrel. So all of our stuff goes into uh independent stave barrels nowadays. Okay. And whenever we were first making whiskey, we didn't have any clout with the bur- with the barrel sure, producers, sure. obviously. Hey, we're going to use 10 barrels over the next three weeks. They're begging so, you yeah, now. Right. Yeah, man, we get picked up in the limo and took to the front <laughs> front row of the concerts now. <laughs> but uh, back in them days, we didn't have too much clout. That's right. But this lists the, this is our Firm Pro 1 or FP1 yeast strain. This was stored in Rick House B, and it tells the uh, Rick that it was on. And... Um, you know, that's just some information about this particular whiskey. So, so this is uh, kind of a heritage bottle. Uh, well, it's a it's a barrel pick. Yeah, this is one of the first ones that we made. Gotcha. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So this one, the other thing you can tell based on the so it says barrel number here, fifteen D O seven. So fifteen is the year. So D O seven is the month and the day. So D would be April. April seventh, two thousand fifteen is when that would have went into the barrel. Gotcha. Nice. So you can decipher that by looking at the uh what's on, what's written on there that's awesome that's cool so you've yeah, got so all the information of everything that happened yep. with that juice and right there on that bottle the side and the barrel picks actually tell the yeast strain the barrel type the exact age and which rick house it was stored in that's awesome uh, i had a question about the yeast while we uh take our first poll on this one mm-hmm. uh can you extend a yeast strain as long as you want well How- so we market and we use what's called active dried yeast. So if you go to the store and you buy yeast to make pizza or make bread, it's going to be those dried prills. You know, you dump a pack out in your hand, it's those dried prills. That's the kind of yeast that we market. So uh, whenever we make a batch of that, which on a on an industrial scale, to be competitive with price which with the other yeast companies, we want to make between 40 to 80 tons 
at a time. Okay. And when we do that, we go back to our mother cultures. So we're not like taking, That's what it is. Okay. yeah. So we, we go back to the original cultures that we used to start the first batch. So even 10 years from now, we'll still be going back to those original cultures because over time, the yeast will change. Gotcha. Okay. We were talking with a friend of the show who... Uh, best, best friend. Best friend. He, he yeah. likes to be called he best friend of the show. He coined himself the he best wants, friend. He wants to be called that. And we, were t- we got it. He's a, he owns Lower Left uh, Brewing down here in mm. Charlotte. Okay. And um, uh, we were talking about yeast this morning on the drive home. So just had to... I was curious about how, uh, how that works. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Now... And that is good. Something oh, I'll so mention good. here. You guys got some Wilderness Trail Glen Cairns in your hands. My Glen Cairns a little bit different than your all's. I actually did a podcast recently, and Martin Duffy, who's one of the brand ambassadors okay. for Glen Karen, he was on there. And I get this box in the mail a couple of days later. You can see on the front. I saw that. I already Doc, saw that. It's got Dr. your name Pat on it, Dr. Pat Heist. It's yeah. got on the back. Slayer. Slayer. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> so it's got Dr. Pat Heist on one side and fucking Slayer. That's, that's awesome. awesome. That's that badass. You Cheers, take guys. that thing everywhere? Mm-hmm. Cheers, so boys. when we do, uh, you know, these, these a tasting like this, educate us. We had our, our buddies who do a, a bourbon blog, you know, you go through how they taste the nose. Like when you're like, hey, when you're tasting our, our juice, you know, how should we look at, you know, different characteristics? What should we look for? Yeah, I mean, a- you know, I'm kind of the standard kind of a the method for tasting. I'm going to look at it first. You know, is it clear? Is it got good amber color to it? And that's one of the cool things. Even if this was a bottle in bond and had been diluted to 100, where we go in at a fairly low entry proof, you're not really diluting it that much. If we were coming out at 136, which would be the case if we went in at 125, then you had to put a lot of water in to get it down to 100. Sure. So we knew that kind of going into this, we knew our first releases were going to be bottled in bond. So we wanted to make sure that we're not just diluting the hell out of it. So that's 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 one thing. The color, the clarity, obviously the aroma, no, you know. You can get that yeah, sweet right yeah, on the nose. Absolutely. And I like Glen Cairns, uh, but I, I like several different types of tasting glasses, you know. Sometimes I like rocks glass, sometimes I like, you know, something uh there's another one that the Kentucky Bourbon Trail we sell at our distillery. It's a little bit wider, uh it's shorter and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know what it's yeah. called, but uh, I really like that tasting glass, but can't be a Glen Cairn. Yeah. Then, you know, obviously the, the taste, how, you know, the mouthfeel of it, the palate, how it goes down, you know, does it burn when it goes down yeah. and then the finish, you know, so pretty much the standard uh, things for a tasting. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty terrible about picking out you know the lavender and the uh, the wheatgrass uh, avocado. <laughs> yeah, avocado. avocado. It's a lightly buttered avocado Marzipan. toast. Yeah, it's marzipan. Like, yeah, it's like got a uh, sideways. Yeah. Is that a hint of uh, asparagus? No, mm-hmm. no, it's below baking spices. You can always say baking baking spice. spices. The yeah. you'll, yeah, you'll confuse everybody to the point of like, well, which ones he? Well, getting? he knows like, what he's talking about, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, I get vanilla. Of course. It's allspice, mm-hmm. caramel, yes. But caramel, vanilla, nutty flavor, right. and that's really the hallmarks of what you want to get. And then all the other stuff is just a matter yeah. of preference. Just I, think I of agree. Ralphie from uh, Simpsons. Tastes like burning. You don't, want, you don't want that. I like to live by if it tastes good to me, I'm going to drink oh, yeah. it. It's A lot of it is about the mouthfeel for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I think the texture is more important to me, and then I can usually know if it's got that texture, I'm probably going to enjoy it. Yeah. And this is, you know, one really cool thing about single barrel barrel strength is that is 100% exactly what got dumped out of the barrel. I mean, we don't do any major filtration outside of just take the barrel char out. 
So that's that's a hundred percent no blending, no nothing. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. That's really good. Yeah, that's delicious. Wow. How uh, how should bourbon uh, be consumed, in your opinion? Are you a holy grail? I only drink it neat. Cocktail guy. You Rocks. putting ice water. No, I'm a mainly I drink it neat, especially if I'm trying a new bourbon mm-hmm. or other types of whiskey. Um, I, I'm mostly a neat drinker, but I do enjoy it with a little bit of ice in it. If mm-hmm. I get one that I really am kind of like, man, I don't think I'm going to like this, I'll put an ice cube in it yeah. just to kind of gives it a little bit of dilution. But I'm a cocktail guy as well. Okay. We, we were out in Charlotte the last couple nights, and you know I had several uh, old fashions. Yeah. And Where'd you guys Manhattans. go? Uh, Did you hit the Crunkleton at all? We went to a place called The Cellar. That was yeah, really yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's my the first spot. night. Yeah, we struck out last night. I won't say the name of the place on okay. the air, but it was no, a no seafood restaurant that, that mm. just sucked. <laughs> and, uh, the oysters <laughs> were really long, good. Long John okay. Silver's is not going to have good bourbon. I know. Yeah. But their known. oysters are fresh. But their, their oysters, oysters are, are damn good. Straight yeah. bangers. <laughs> it's Captain D's. <laughs> Perfect. Get those fried <laughs> gizzards over at Captain D's, though. Now we're talking. Hey, what's the one as you turn on the lower left? See, now we're talking my language. Now we can get on the food. We're the food you're in. Uh, in there, Long John Silver's. Uh, That's a Captain a, D's. A Captain D's. That's yeah. Captain D's. That's uh, the one by lower left. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a Captain. I'm always D's. like, man, I should eat there. Yeah, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no, don't. Now there, there's one place in Charlotte called the Crun- the Crunkleton, mm-hmm. that's got a pretty elaborate collection. You see a lot of guys cult posting. following as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. big cult following. Uh, they've been they've been crushing it. What's what the, the uh, what's we the went this morning? Like gastro pub. Yeah. Okay. Over like. South Park Shopping Center. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's right yeah. there in the front. We actually ate there yesterday and today. The oh, brunch nice. was killer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Super delicious. It, yeah. Uh, Charlotte, I, I call it the South because I'm from Ohio. Mm-hmm. But the South is very proud of their brunch. Oh, That's yeah. what they do probably. If they put as much effort into br- to dinner and lunch as they do brunch on Sunday, then all of them would be great. But yeah, there yeah. there are certain restaurants that people will tell you just only go there for brunch. Yeah, I was I man, like I said, I didn't really know what to expect. I've been to Raleigh before, mm-hmm. um, had never been to Charlotte, and I was kind of thinking this would be more like Asheville for some reason. Gotcha. And it's yeah. a big city. It's a big I mean, city. A lot of yeah. people out. A lot of really good food scene. Yeah, it does. Also, yeah, yeah. Quite pleased. Charlotte's funny. You know, Charlotte used to be basically just a you drive right through. It was a truck stop. You know, that's right. And then all of a sudden NASCAR really blew up. Thank you, Tom Cruise, Death Thunder. Um, and now it's like, you know, you would never go into downtown Charlotte when I grew up. I grew up 20 miles north of here, you know, and, and you would never go into downtown. And we had the Hornets. But the Hornets were put out way out Tavola, nowhere mm-hmm. near the city. Weren't they by, like, the, the dump? I mean, literally landfills. I used, yeah, to, I used right. to play soccer. So at those parks so much they was, thought about was these basketball. soccer fields that were built on landfills. And that's where the Hornets arena was. And then the Panthers came into town and put the stadium right in the heart of the city. And you started getting, you know, Wells Fargo and B of A. And all of a sudden now it's like, okay, well, our uptown is downtown. And then our south end is like the new hot spot. It's, it's crazy to see mm. what Charlotte has done in the, what, the past 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, nuts. Well, in Johnson and Wales, the uh, culinary school relocated to Charlotte. They were in Charleston mm. before, but now they're here. So you see a lot of the young talent come out of Johnson and Wales. They just opened like restaurants right here. Mm-hmm. So the food scene's gotten a lot better because of that too. Yeah, and people continue to move here. So yeah, the uh, good, jo- good job. Well, plus, I'm from New York. I'm from one. New York originally, Western New York. So mm-hmm. like a lot of people. All from of there his just, family is here. Everybody nice. would come this way. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I will say, cellar is one of those spots when people come into town and they say, "Hey, I want to go on night, to a nice dinner." 
that's one of my recommendations. Always yeah. that and beef, beef and bottle. Beef which and bottle. You, you oh, beef and bottles. Amazing. You, there's no windows. Like if you go to beef and bottle, there are. No, it's a Jehovah Witness building. When you walk in there, it's like the old school steakhouse. It's probably always top three steakhouse in Charlotte every year. Great food, old school ambiance. It's great. We went to a nice little cigar bar over there too. I think it was called Vintage. That's the new. That's the new. That's the new place. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good. We had to pay like a membership fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good memory. <laughs> we give you a one day membership. Yeah, I paid it. It was good. We had it was legit. A couple nice cigars. Had a couple nice, nice pours. It was fairly reasonable. Yeah. Okay, yeah. had good. some good dip and stuff. Just kind of there's there's some course. places in, awesome. there's some places in Charlotte where it's like super reasonable, and then some places like uh, nothing. Uh, it's the rooftop bar over by Fahrenheit. Uh, no, the um, Merchant and Trade. Mm. We stayed at the oh, Campton, yeah. and there's yeah, a, there's that's a rooftop merchant, bar. merchant trades on top of Campton. Yeah, They're, they wouldn't even let us in. We're freaking staying there. Is that right? Really? Well, I mean, they probably would have. We didn't really oh, care. Oh, wow. <laughs> probably smart. They, that's more orchard style. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Where's your sucker they, up there? They they they, <laughs> they charge they charge a pretty good price on their oh, even yeah, like their sure. their buffalo. I hang out like, at the Angry Beaver. What's that place called? Is that what it's still called down in Elizabeth? <laughs> I have no you idea. You know what I'm talking about? They, no, they I know. don't. I don't. <laughs> no idea. I swear to God, it's this old school bar, tiny. And it's it's a it's a rough but and it's awesome. It's everything you want in a bar. And they own the land that it's on. And they would not sell the land. So some developer came in and legit built condos up and over the bar. Oh, damn. And so they don't own the airspace above, so they built this condo complex up and over, and it's just sitting there still. Really? Oh, it's beautiful. You go in there for $2 beers, a good Damn. whiskey. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. It's such it, a fuck you to them, too. So it I, is. <laughs> it is. It is incredible. It's like the uh, the one house in Augusta that won't sell to the masters. Oh, yeah. That's exactly mm. what this is. Yeah. So It's like the, the guy from Up who wouldn't sell yes. his house. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so what's your go-to cocktail? Uh, old fashioned. Is it old fashioned? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a non-muddler. I'm, I don't like. Oh, that. really? Yeah, okay. Okay. Not even on the, the. You don't want the cherries model? Nothing. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Just toss it in there. Yep. Toss it. Are in you there. old school grenadine cherry? Like the the, uh, the one that your Luxardo. grandmother used to. Oh, Luxardo. Luxardo okay. Okay. cherry. Yeah. Luxardo's delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus one, oddly enough, and he should make a business out of this. He does uh, brandied cherries. Mm-hmm. So he makes yeah. his own brandy yeah, cherries. Very good. Well, aren't Luxardo's brandied? I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. I think so. His his are more plump and a little more juicy, so they're not. I'm, I don't know if Luxardo dries theirs out a little bit before they, they maybe they reconstitute little, it. They kind yeah. of seem yeah. a little bit. See that big word I just dropped in there? I science. Got that. What a, science. You, you're learning. It's food science. You're though, learning. So not, you're yeah. learning. Good job. Yeah. You're learning. You don't know what it means. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. But and that, uh, the black walnut bitters. Plus walnut oh, does good. a black walnut old fashioned. Just call plus the, walnut. You call them plus walnut. Plus walnut. Yeah. Okay. Did I? You did. Uh, works too. That works too. Plus walnut. That's his new nickname. Plus one does a uh, black walnut old fashioned with these uh, brandy cherries. Delicious. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about Luxardo's, a lot of people bitch about the price, but they're like they're they're like an infinity of cherries. That's in, right. In that's the right. They're, they're packed and, in. There. When is this yeah. ever going to be gone? Right. They last right. forever. Yeah. The, the normal ones you get at the store, like the artificially red looking ones, yeah. you can about count how many is in the jar just right. by right. looking right. at the jar. What's uh <laughs> What's this next pour? This is the uh, so another cool thing about the two bourbons that we make is one of them is a weeded bourbon, which we just had it. This one is a high rye bourbon, but the only difference between these two recipes is this one's got rye, 24% rye instead of 24% wheat. Mm. So this is a really nice example of a weeded bourbon compared to a rye bourbon. The only difference is the amount of the rye versus the uh, wheat. Gotcha. gotcha. And this is also a barrel pick, so this is a single barrel, barrel strength. 
and this one is 113 proof. Now Uh-oh. let me look at something Plus else. Plus one, you all right over there? You all right with that one? 113? It's, it's, it's still staying close to the 110 you put it in the barrel. At, yep, but is, it's just over, which we, yeah. we, we would expect a right. little bit of an increase of proof. So the other one was actually a little bit less, so yeah. that was kind of surprising. Now the other one... Uh, it normally, whenever you have a bourbon that increases in strength over time, that's because of more evaporative loss. It makes okay. sense, right? And following that, the weeder that we had, which was at 109, there was 243 bottles in that barrel. And this one only had 205 bottles. Right. So, I mean, 40 less bottles. That's mm-hmm. pretty significant. That's amount, big, sure. Uh, less. That probably means Macaulay's been out there hammering around. (laughs) (laughs) I know where I would be. Mm -hmm. I noticed on a couple of your labels you have Family Reserve, and then there's, um, I think there's another label that doesn't have Family Reserve. What does that mean? So we just put the Family Reserve on the ones that are uh, barrel picks. Gotcha, okay. So that would be cask strength. Understood, yeah. I I pick up a lot of the sweetness on this still, but I get that rye spice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's nice. So August 17th of 2015. Are those bacon spices or rice okay. spice? Is that uh, right? That's oh, rice spice. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. What's the difference? Say that again. <laughs> baking. He said it's baking. Are you getting a baking spice or a rice spice? What kind of spice is it? Yes. It's uh, a rice yeah, spice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. Get all that. Oh, for sure. All that. Mm, that's all right. that. Plus oh, one. man. That is, fanta- that is fantastic. Uh, You're right. Yeah. Plus one, how are you liking that one? Yes. Yeah. It smells good. Oh, the nose is really good on this. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, I man. think, you know, normally if I'm going to buy a bottle for somebody or give somebody a bottle, um, and I, if I don't know anything about their drinking habits, I'm going to give them the black label, which is the high rye okay. bourbon. Because okay. it's more, to me, like what you expect sure. from, a, from a Kentucky straight bourbon. Sure. Awesome. The weeders, you know, weeders a little. I mean, I like the weeder personally. Like, if I know you're a super bourbon weeder, drinker, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get you the weeder yeah. every time. Do you think, like, because obviously the, 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 the bourbon boom, let's call it that, right? I'll phrase that, whatever. But I have guys at work now. I see them getting bottles of bourbon. I know they've never drank bourbon like you know, like like we do. They were usually ultra guys. Do they <laughs> drink bourbon or they just drown buying the bottles? Well, so one That's of the guys... Great question. Great question. Mm-hmm. One of the guys who was uh, from New York, he had brought one of the guys, the office and the executives, a bottle of Buffalo Trace and a bottle of Weller SR, Green Label. And I was like, oh, you like, he's like, I haven't had these yet. He's he a man. He goes... I'm trying to get into bourbon, but I feel like every time I could get it, I'm like, oh my God, this is so spicy and so hot. I'm like, those are like both what I would call proof introductory, weed, yeah. weeded. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the weeded bourbon being smoother, not as yeah. much what I would call true Kentucky bite to it, mm-hmm. has allowed the everyday person to kind of get into it. Is that, yep. that makes I would sense? agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of made the bourbon boom. Then you bring them something like this. Or something that's like a you know a, a barrel proof Elijah Craig where it's one thirty three proof. Mm-hmm. It's like hey, here's something that you should try. What do they call it at the end? The Kentucky hug? Yeah, something Kentucky like that. Hug. Yeah. Oh man, you have to have that. Is there a what's your value bourbon? What do what do you go to? Um, it's not Wilderness Trail. What do, what do you? We talked a little probably bit about Maker's JTS. Mark. Maker's Mark. Yeah. Okay. I mean that's not really a super value, but uh, it's oh, just it's, a, it's still value. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good. Right. It's a good price. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a weeder. And that's a weeder. You know, my yeah. business partner Shane, he's he's always been a weeder. A lot of the whiskeys they made at Stitzel Weller, you know, Pappy mm-hmm. and Weller and et cetera, et cetera. Old Fitzgerald. Yeah. You know, those were yeah. uh historically weeders. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the reasons why we started with our a weeded bourbon. We didn't start making this or, or any of either our rye whiskey or our high rye bourbon probably for almost a year after we started distilling because we couldn't find local rye. 
and then we, we got our local farmer to grow a very specific variety that grows well in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And we're actually, of all the distilleries in Kentucky, uh, and most of them use rye in their recipes, we're one of only two or three that uses Kentucky-grown rye. So that's another thing mm, that's just a little bit different about ours compared to other uh, distilleries. Well, whatever you're doing with this it's bottle, keep dude, that up. Straight banger. Really, yeah. <laughs> straight banger. All bangers, mm-hmm. no skips. Man. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Maker's Mark is fun. I mean, I, that's like the bourbon I would like in college when like you know, I used to wait tables with a bartender. If I had a good night of tips, I'd be like, oh, you know what? Maker's Mark. I'm going to splurge. Mm. Otherwise, it was like, you know, all right, Yvonne. Here we go. Yvonne mm. Williams. Oh, yeah. yeah. Evan Williams, you know, like, I, I play in a band currently as well. So, the name of the band is called Zella May. If you want to look us up on YouTube, yeah. we've actually got videos on Absolutely. it. Oh, you seem to have a ton of time on your hands. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's looking over here. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she rolls her eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah, free time my butt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and normally, we're not, you know, trying to down a $150 bottle at band practice, right. but like, a lot of times Evan Williams will come out or, you know, you guys were talking about JTS Brown. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those kind of things. That's, I, what, that's what my dad, like, I mean, I remember my, my granddad and my dad drink Evan Williams forever. And then my dad retires. Now he's like, oh, I drink Woodford now. That's it. Right. Like, all right, I like, game up. I like Old Forester. I, I like Old Forester. Actually, I like Forester, yeah. There's not too many bourbons I don't like now. I've had I should bad get bottle. you a couple of bottles that I've had. I bet you won't like those. Mm. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I uh, back in Ohio, I keep a bottle of Evan Williams at my in-laws' place. They uh, they live out on a farm, and just having a glass of that, sitting out looking over the hills <clears throat> of the farm, I, it doesn't get much better. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's cheap. It's go- it's good value bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't knock it. And yeah. there's a lot of folks that look at it. As, hey, there's no age statement on it. There's you know it's got to be. Crap bourbon is seventeen bucks or whatever it is. And well, but if it's a straight bourbon and doesn't have a, a mm-hmm. age statement, it's got to be at least four That's years. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Oh. This is fantastic. Yeah, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, is, is, uh, this is, is great. Is the secondary market good for bourbon? Oh, that's a that's mm. a big question. Like, like if you see, like if, it, if you it, see your bottle, like, like is it good? Is it good for? Is it? Do you care as a manufacturer of it? That hey these fanboys you know going hey we're gonna spend eight hundred bucks in a bottle mm-hmm. does it help your brand or do you whatever or, well, or, or if you come across your bottle selling for five times what the retail is are you happy about that or is that something well that usually if it is selling for that I'm the one trying to buy it off somebody <laughs> secondary market because it's got a Rick Patino sticker on it <laughs> right, right. that's right damn that's Rick right. Patino but, uh, <laughs> yeah so no I I I'm intrigued by the secondary market I mean I belong to those groups yeah, I don't same, do a lot yeah. of buying on the secondary market. Um, but I'm intrigued by it, mm-hmm. and I think that it has kind of put bourbon in. You know, you look at the whole argument between, you know, why in the hell are there $60,000 bottles of scotch, but the highest bottle of bourbon tops out in the 2000s? Well, <laughs> look, either, I, beg, I, I beg to differ. <laughs> okay. Well, there's, I know, some yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very special bottle, yeah, but you yeah, know, yeah. like, yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things to where I know a lot, some distilleries have problems with it because they've got people coming in to, you know, lining up for mm-hmm. certain picks that just are to flip just them. flipping yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. You know, we really haven't experienced that yet, so I can't really, we don't have that that experience. To I think more, it to. more for Wilderness Trail, you guys obviously have a following, and I think it's the word of mouth that continues to, to, to pump the brand right mm-hmm. now. And so I've seen it on secondary, and I think it's more of the scarcity of you. Yeah. You're not distributing in all 50 states yet, yeah. right? Yeah. What, how, how many I, states? Yeah. yeah. That's my next question. How many states are you in? We're <laughs> in uh, 33 states now. 
When awesome. can we get it in North Carolina, for the love of God? No kidding. It's one of our next states. Uh, North Carolina and Wisconsin are the two next ones that we're going into. You know, the people in Wisconsin like state. to drink a little bit. Fuck yeah. Well, because you're cold, you're cold <laughs> nine months a year yeah. and miserable. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to lose Aaron Rodgers, so you might as well keep drinking. Yeah. We, we've, got, we've got, a t- I don't know what it is about people from Wisconsin, but a lot of times you go out to the, I like looking at all the, license plates in the parking mm-hmm. lot illinois wisconsin those are like two predominant ones that we see and we've got friends that have been coming down for years even that liked our vodka and our rum that we made yep. they come down there and every time i see a 12 pack of spotted cow and a bag of cheese curds on that's my right. desk that's right. know that's some right. of our wisconsin right. folks so, some old style beer cans yeah, crushed yeah, up in the parking yeah, lot yeah. yeah well i have to imagine for the wisconsin people there's this culture of that supper club there Right, and uh-huh. again, we're getting into the food style, and that's just what I love. But they drink a lot of old fashions, so therefore they drink they, a lot of brandy up there. They too. drink like a lot you of brandy up in yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. There'll be twenty-five yeah. brandies on the bar. Don't drink mm-hmm. anything that keeps them warm. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's basically Canada, so it's okay. What is what is it? New Hampshire and Wisconsin battle back and forth for the drunkest state. And is I certainly right? say drunkest as in most consumption per capita. I think okay. Alaska yeah, I think. actually crushes all of them, but they're close second. Okay. Right, yeah. Alaska well, pays yeah, a lot. Yeah. Mm. Per capita, because like 10 people. Alaska also wins in yeah. most bear attacks. <laughs> True. <laughs> too. Right. Mostly grizzlies. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're excited for it to get uh, to be available here in North Carolina. We go to South Carolina to get it now. I go to Ohio to get it, although I'm not supposed to, I don't think. ABC you're, hates you're that. You're bootlegging. It's fine. Yeah, 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 it's it's fine. been a guilt on, on our podcast. Good job. Uh, but I, I feel like our state's the worst state of all 50 to get alcohol. And I'm not sure how it is for you on your yeah. side. Well, it's, into it's one of, I don't know exactly what the challenges are because we've got people that work in our organization who keep track of all the logistics of how you get into one state versus the next. But I know that North Carolina has, there's been some roadblocks that, that have caused us to be delayed in getting sure. into the state, even though there's a ton of killer bourbon clubs. And I mean, this yep. is, this is definitely one of the most highly anticipated states for us to be getting into Absolutely. yeah i mean just because of the i mean the the bourbon scene here is i mean well, just I, the bourbon groups we have a mutual friend sharp burn society ken who's a good friend of ours as well i mean mm-hmm. that's a huge yep. society down yep. here so charlotte just, the yep. charlotte whiskey yep. society or sharp is bourbon sharp burn society CB, cbs okay. we've got one here for lake norman, lake norman that, yeah that's that just got started up. guy right down the street here started that one and i want to say within a matter of weeks i had thousands of people in the in the bourbon club the the, yeah. the funniest part is when like I'll like have a notification on Facebook that some guy I didn't know is in that group is like I've tagging somebody else. I'm like, wait, you're in this group too? You Holy like bourbon? You like, like bourbon, bourbon too? We should hang out. We more. should hang out more. Yep. We worked together for 18 years. Had no idea. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, Next it's, thing you know, you got messenger messengers coming in like left and right. That, yeah, that, that's right. So many DMs oh. coming in. Yes. Oh, you mean mm-hmm. like I did to you? Oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'll a- I answer them all. Hey. I just don't check it every day, you know. Yeah. We appreciate no, it. No, we I, appreciate it, man. I, I think it was, uh, I think Ken mentioned you in a post on Charlotte Burtman Society. Okay. And, um, you know, I w- I've been talking to, to Plus One a lot about Wilderness Trail, and I love it, and I've always had some in my cabinet. And uh, when I saw you pop up in there, I was like, hey, man, I got to get like, see if he wants to come on the show, mm. because it's right up our alley. And I love, and I've just heard from other folks about how you guys do it. Wanted to hear the story. This is absolutely fantastic. Thank so, 
And, yeah. I, and we appreciate we were talking about it off air, but we appreciate the honesty because what you guys are doing is right here, right in front of you. It sounds like the distillery is open so you can see the whole process. Oh, yeah. You're not cutting corners. You got an yeah. engineer who's mm-hmm. calculating and calibrating oh, yeah. everything. Oh, well, yeah. Do you need, a, do you need yeah. an actuary by any means? Yeah, do you? <laughs> you need an actuary? Ah, well, tell me what it is and I'll tell you. <laughs> we have no idea what he does. <laughs> we have no we're clue. not even sure he's an actuary, but he has a lot of papers hung he, up in this he, room. He controls the weather, I'm pretty Just, sure, right? <laughs> that you do? Just sign me up. We'll sign a contract. I'll tell you what I do later. Nice. <laughs> That's how it works. That is how it works. Um, okay, I've, so I've been here? excited to move to this. Yes. So Yeah, this is our uh, rye whiskey. So this one, again, like uh, all of our bottles, has the mash recipe on the side. So this is a 56% rye, 33% corn, 11% malted barley. So most of the ryes on the shelf are 95.5. And this one is, you know, it's actually got corn in it. Yeah. So it's quite a bit different now. Like I said before, we use Kentucky grown rye, which definitely gives us a little bit of different flavor profile. This is a really, this particular bottle, I've actually, we stayed down at, uh, I got a cabin on Lake Cumberland. Hmm. We stayed down there That's the other spot. night. And uh, this is one of the bottles that I had there. And uh, I really enjoyed it. This is December 21st, 2015. Man. And this is 117 proof. Uh oh! Plus one, calm down. I'll, just, I'll, give you some, I'll give you some diet do. We can cut that for you if you want some water. Yeah, I, we'll get you Gatorade. Have you guys been producing rye since the beginning? Well, actually, once it you was started, about a year delayed. It was okay. Yeah. Okay. Was when, that to, was that to get the rye yep, produced? Yeah, to get the local. In, in, okay, get the local Kentucky. rye there. So. Go ahead. I was going to ask a question. So as we go through all these tastings, and you know, we we make these comments about, oh, I get a hint of, like. You say you want the traditional. I always joke. The guys, oh, I get a hint of this. I'm like, I get the same shit every time. And maybe I just don't have a good palate. I don't go to Johnson Wells. But, like, how much of that you like, like you said earlier, get these three main things? I don't care what else you get. Or do you think some of that's like fluff? Uh, no, that's to me just kind of like when, whenever we're tasting it to see if it's ready to be bottled. Just does it have those, like vanilla is one. Mm-hmm. Vanilla and caramel are yeah. probably the two of the main ones. If you don't taste that, it probably needs to spend a little more time in the barrel. Or maybe it'll never taste like that. Um, this one here, the the things that I really like about our rye, which, which, which is characteristic of rye, is just, I mean, on the nose of it, I mean, I get almost like like cake icing or chest cake or some kind of a. Uh, I, I'm with you on the icing. And, and then the on the taste, I get like a kind of a coniferous sort of a pine. I was just uh, gonna say pine. Yep, like it that kinda kind of reminds of, me of a. Well, I've not had a great. <laughs> What's the last time, the last time you ate a pine tree? <laughs> no, I, I was trying to think of. I've never had a. I'm, I'm, I'm had a pine tree. Producer's like, face. He's like, we are back at pine cone. Like, no, and this is going to be a weird. This is going to be a weird connection. I can't wait for this. I, I'm not a huge candle guy, mm-hmm. but Yankee Candle makes a. No, awesome. you have a candle from Goop you love. No, that's not true. You have that Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, Gwyneth candle. Paltrow. We're still shit. wanting you on the show. Just uh, no, we're it's, not. It's a it's a balsam cedar candle, mm. and I just love that smell. It just reminds me of being in the outdoors. I don't like gin, but if I could get a gin that kind of reminds me of that, this has mm-hmm. kind of that that piney but some robust like more complex flavor. Yep. I just I have not had a gin that I just really love. This gives yep. me that piney with yep. some complex. Uh, and and complex this flavor. one, like the other two that we've tried today, is a single barrel barrel strength. So everything in that glass is one hundred percent came out of one barrel. I feel like uh, ryes are a lot like scotch. They have a cult following, and that when you know, you know. So folks that know scotch know scotch, and other people that haven't dipped into scotch, they turn their nose up. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. willing to get into it. 
myself included, until recently. I'm now a Scotch aficionado, just so you know. Oh, oh great. <laughs> yeah, but we also converted our Canadian friend from a Scotch drinker, Mooch. To a bourbon drinker. To a bourbon drinker. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He's, yeah. A, he's actually not Canadian. He's from New Hampshire. Close but enough. Same thing. There's a lot of different flavor profile <laughs> yeah. in a rye that you can get. Yeah. I, a lot more complexity. Really yeah. yeah. And if you proof this down, again, all of our rye is sold at single barrel barrel strength. So okay. far, we don't have anything that's less than barrel strength on our rye. But, you know, if you consider, like, you know, Sazerac rye, Pike's Full rye, I mean, some mm-hmm. of the other really, what I consider really good ryes, um, you know, being lower proof, like 90 proof, makes yeah. a big damn difference. If yeah. you cut this down to 90, it'll taste a lot like those, more like those. Gotcha. And you lose a lot of that character. And so we've just continued to, we've got plans to release a lower proof version of this. It's called Settler Select Rye. And it's going to be 94 proof, just kind of a more of a reachable 60, you know, this sure. is 60 something bucks a yep, bottle. Yep. That'll be, you know, in, probably in the 30s, you know, something that yeah. somebody could replace Sazerac or in, including in a bar situation. Right. And uh, it, it tastes drastically different when you proof it. Yeah. Down. We're going to do 94 proof just because it tastes a little better at that proof compared to 90. So uh, we, I, we like those, uh, I would say we collectively like those uh, lower proof rise for cocktails. Mm-hmm. Good yeah, yeah. Manhattan, mm-hmm. yeah. old fashioned, yeah. I think. Yeah. How much yeah. of your planning uh, when you're like, hey, we're going to do this next or that next is like, we just want to do something cool. And how much is like, we want to go after Sazerac or go after whoever it may be that's a, comp- a competitor of yours goes into your planning. Because I mean, for me, it's like you guys are hitting straight bangers with all your stuff. No skills. Like, how, how can you make it better? Mm-hmm. Is that always a thought? And then it also is it like, how can we get Sazerac out of the bars and mm-hmm. use us? Well, it's not, I don't think it's as much as trying to displace anybody out there in the industry. I mean, I drink those whiskeys all the time. I feel like uh, it's like the craft beer scene. Mm-hmm. The craft beer scene, our buddy Tim said, everybody works together. It's not, it's not just, yeah. I, I may rephrase that, it's not to fire them. It's just like, how do yeah, you know, yeah. how do I get on the, on the shelf of every bar in Kentucky? Yeah. Is that, a, is that a goal or a plan as um, well? Well, our goal all along has been make the best whiskeys in the world. That's the that's our goal, regardless of how much it is. I mean, we, uh, not how much price is, but right, how, right, much how much the quantity is. We've actually tried to keep price fairly reasonable. Yeah. I mean, you know, coming out with, even though, you know, I remember when our stuff was selling on the secondary market for a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. a bottle in other states where you couldn't get it. And, and you know, we could have upped our price because of scarcity, sure. but we wanted to keep it. We're bourbon drinkers. See, I you gave know? you a deal. You're welcome. <laughs> right. I brought it back from Kentucky and gave you a bargain. You're Here we welcome. go. Here we go. But back Things to your, I do for our show. That's but right. back to your question about, you know, what is what are our goals? I want to see a Wilderness Trail 12-year weeder right alongside of Weller 12, that kind of thing yeah. i want to yeah. see sign me yeah up. absolutely yes. yeah and yeah. it ain't gonna be 90 proof either i promise you there right. you go yeah. there you go so that's right uh, yeah man i'm really looking forward to that we're almost into eight year now you know so two years from now we'll have a 10 year four years from yeah. now we'll have a 12 year so and with five years from now or six years we'll have a 15 year so we're right. i mean we're moving into there and we got plans the spreadsheet goes out a long way so, oh god! Look at producers. Yeah. At least, calm, at calm least uh, whenever my business partner lets me look at the spreadsheet, are, are you thing, already into the, 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 the AA columns, BB columns of your spreadsheet? Way out, way out, way out sure, right? Not sure. <laughs> I, I'm more of a guy that knows the spreadsheets exist. Uh, <laughs> don't and, touch them. Don't yeah, touch them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shane, he's more of a, a 
spreadsheet yeah. populator. That'd be us. I'll talk yeah, to no. Shane. Producer, I'll, 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 I'll give Shane a call. Producer has a great spreadsheet. Don't touch it. Yeah. Now I've got spreadsheets of HPLC data on over fermentation. Oh, there you, you go. Yeah, yeah. That, I'll look at those yeah. too. Uh-huh. I think producer needs a minute by himself. <laughs> I'll be right back. Let me have a little alone time. My dream tonight. <laughs> it's not the calculus test anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> the HLC data. <laughs> HPLC. HPLC. Oh my God. That's high performance liquid chromatography. There we go. Yes. That's it. I was going to ask you that what's next. That was on next. Jeopardy last week. I fucking knew it. Hey, did you guys see us on Jeopardy? No. no. Yeah, then about two weeks before Alex Trebek died, the, the category was uh, like places. Yeah. And the fucking the the clue was wilderness trail distillery. Bullshit! No shit! And the answer was Danville, Kentucky. How that's awesome! That? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I got it on my phone, man. I'll show you, that's dude. Cool. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'll that's show that's, you. That's 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 our goal. Pick and pickle. Yeah. Well, well, North Carolina. Well, my, my mom called me up. Like <laughs> yeah. I was always wondering, like, how would you get on Jeopardy? You know. Right. Well, hell, man, apparently you can get on there unbeknownst to yourself. You know? Right. They just Google so, you and they just man, My mom called me. My aunt called me. Then it was just like I had like 200 text messages like, you guys are just on Jeopardy. It's That's like, cool. holy shit, you got to be kidding well, me. And then we saw the video and it was like, oh, man. But did anyone get it right? He got it right. He got it right? Yeah, wow. yeah. Oh, hell right. yeah. I'll just, show you. Did you send him a bottle? He got to send well, him a bottle. Well, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was too busy we'll, replaying. We'll take, the, we'll take their bottle. Like, that guy won five, won yeah. 20 grand. He good. He can yeah, pay retail. Yeah, you missed that part where he's selling all of the bottles he has. He doesn't have any hey, to give away. the guy no, got $400 just for getting that right. So, hey. He can buy a few stuff. Or one Patino bottle. He's good to go. That's right, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'll show you the video. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll see that. So, aside from being on jeopardy like what's next for wilderness trail like what do y'all like if you're five well, years from now you're well back, you're back on the show in five years yeah we, again yeah, not yeah, like yeah. they don't have enough going on with there firm solutions with yeah right. we got the band you know we got, we got some good gigs we're hopefully. gonna get into the band in just a second mm-hmm. but we, you know we're i going mean to nashville <laughs> i think that you know one of the most exciting things for us is just the fact our stuff's getting older you know mm-hmm. people are a lot of times when are you gonna do a four grain when are you gonna do this it's like well we got three different whiskeys here and if you consider, you know, sometimes they're bottle and bonds, sometimes they're single barrel, small batch, barrel strength, barrel pick. There's a lot of ways you can cut three different mash recipes. Yep. We'll be doing our lower proof rye soon. And we do have some one-offs. We got some four grain laid back and, and different things like that. But in terms of like just, you know, some of the exciting things for us is just getting into more states, getting in North Carolina. Yeah. That's probably yeah. one of the most exciting things that's coming on. Come on. Let's Let's go. Go. But, you know, that, those, are, those are kind of some of the things that just, you know, yeah. we're looking. No, that's, that's awesome. Well, you, like I said, you guys don't have uh, a lot of time on your hands. Mm, well, I just actually became, uh, uh, got the title of adjunct professor in the James Beam Institute at the University of Kentucky. Well, hell so, yeah. Uh, Come, on. A, nice. Come on. Congratulations. Yeah. They got a, a beer, wine, and distilled spirits program there, which Shane and I have been teaching in for the last uh, five or six years, and I just officially got made an adjunct professor there. That's I'm awesome. also on the That's faculty awesome. of Moonshine University, so have been for you know probably six or seven That's years. a real See, thing. Yeah. That's the only college these guys would have gone to. <laughs> yeah. Ever. I went it's to college. Went you to went to the College of Cannabis, App State. I'm sorry. I went to the real Mountaineers. Right. Oh, <laughs> calm down there, buddy. I made that comment at the race this weekend. It did not land well. I bet it no, wouldn't. Appalachian State is a little green Oh, community. it's green. Yeah, it's green. Yeah. 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 Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I would have made a lot of money if I went to that school. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. 
That school is crazy. I, I went there because at the time it was a small school. Now it's, it's blown up. Now, you know? I, I do have to ask a question, but why would all these schools in Kentucky need these programs? Because everybody that's born <clears throat> in Kentucky, it's just it's born in their blood. Well, Knowing I, how to make whiskey is well, born in Well, actually, blood. it's really not. And in, in the bourbon industry has been beat up on kind of as yeah. a you know a sin industry you know where mm-hmm. you know where are we going to get tax it's money? Good, let's, let's good documentaries on, on that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. cigarettes, yep. uh, booze. So uh, you know, and we're a lot of times you know where we have an educational role with different distilleries and training, teaching at Moonshine U and at the University of Kentucky. A lot of times, when other distilleries hire people, they call us. You know, hey, you got anybody for this position? And half the time, we can't find anybody to put in those positions. So there's people from out of state. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's a lot of really good talent graduating from University of Kentucky, University of Louisville, et cetera, et cetera, that just don't realize all the potential jobs in the the bourbon industry. If you need a taste tester, this guy right here, Mm -hmm. he also is a massive consumer. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Not not sir, a, a, not an educator. It's, it's like I uh, will impact the bottom line, <laughs> sir. Not in a good way. Not in a good, sir. Spit the bourbon out. No, I'm no. not a quitter. It's like uh, who's who's the guy that? Um, oh, he's the actor that did um, Parks and Rec. Um, he's now a Marvel hero, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, uh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, there's a Parks and Rec episode. He had to eat a cheeseburger, and they kept redoing the take, and they said. You should spit it out. He never once spit out the cheeseburger. That's back in the fat boy they, days. They said he yeah. ate eight cheeseburgers on set that day. Damn. I was like, that's commitment. That's your level yeah. of commitment. You love your bourbon. That's nice. awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Random, that is- random thought there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, man. That's, that's a big deal, though. The education aspect. Like, for Firm Solutions, a lot of... Uh, Distilleries, you know, three, four years before they ever start their distillery, they'll be in Moonshine University. So wow. we get in front of those people, and then when they start their distillery, our competitors go in there, hey, let me tell you about our yeast. They're like, shit, dude, we done made that decision four years ago. <laughs> we did that. Yeah, so that's been really helpful for our firm solutions business. I have to imagine well. when, awesome. when people want to start up that you guys can educate them on a lot of things that yeah. they had no idea about. Yeah, and like, we're, we're, we're here sitting here talking. And, and you we're just the only, said a bunch of stuff. And we're the only yeast provider that's got their own distillery. So right. our competitors are like, you ought to try this yeast. I'm like, how the fuck do they know? They ain't even got their own goddamn distillery. That's so, awesome. That's crazy. Uh, what that's the hell good, was I, I was going to... That's good. This vertical, this, uh, you know, yeah, the way yeah. y'all move is yep. genius from a business model standpoint. That's what I was going to say. You, you mentioned out of state. So there's a lot of distilleries now. So I'm thinking High West, yeah. uh, Old Elk. Thousands of distilleries. Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Thoughts yep. on this? It's good. Yep. Bre- I, and I, I have to tell you, <clears throat> I'm an Old Elk weeded fanboy. Mm-hmm. That shit is yep. good. Um, thoughts on those guys? Or is that is that bourbon in your mind? In your mind, are you are you ingrained in the? If it's not from Kentucky, it's not a bourbon. No, or that's not at all. Okay. One of my favorite new whiskeys. See, I love hearing that from guys is, like you. Uh, Fry Ranch. Where is out that in from? Nevada. In Fowler, oh, okay. Nevada. They yeah. just came out. It's fairly close to Reno. But I went and visited them. Actually, I gave a TED Talk out there on bourbon not too long ago. Fuck y'all. Welcome to my TED Talk. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but I visited Fry Ranch. They're right outside of Reno. And they got thousands of barrels laid down. They're running a, a, either a 10 or a 14-inch Vendome column. And they actually make all the grains that they that they distill, no the ferment and still, That's on their impressive. own farm. In the yeah. desert? In the yeah, yeah, in the damn desert. That's impressive. It's, it's killer. They got a four-grain bourbon. Uh, they got, I've got their bourbon. I got their rye whiskey. I got their new barrel strength. Fry, Ran- Fry Ranch, if you're listening, Fry holler. Ranch. 
Is that they, they uh, is that one of the Kentucky? most killer ass bottles? No, I don't think so. Not, yet. not yet. Not unless no. you come to my house. We'll be there. We're on our way. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. We got our bourbon trip planned for 2021. That's right. What time is dinner served? Oh yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. We're definitely looking forward dinner to dinner served at four twenty every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll be the appetizer. That's when yes. the snacks are served. <laughs> snacks are at four twenty one. Who is it? Um, uh, Sierra Nevada has the uh, drink before four twenty beer. Yeah, that comes that, out. No, uh, uh, that's Stone Enjoy Bar. Stone, Stone, yeah, Stone. Sorry, yeah. that started out that, that way. That's just good. Yeah. Uh, Pat, we've got a uh, couple of uh, quick fire, rapid fire questions just to mm-hmm. kind of get to know you as a person a little more. And um, it's a quick answer. Well, first of all, who, a who's thing. a better band member? Is it you or Shane? Um, I'm not gonna go there. I think we first Shane of all must be pretty I damn good. I can't Shane, play guitar. Shane's not over there. I can't play guitar, and Shane can't sing. So let's okay. just put it that okay. way. We're both okay. integral members of the band. Compliment each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and and you you said you got the uh, Slayer on the uh, glass. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the go to band? Who's the go-to band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though they officially quit retire or quit touring this year, um, actually, the it wasn't the last time I saw them, but I saw them in Raleigh, like uh, it was right before COVID hit. Mm. It's one of the last shows I saw. Actually, Louisville, I went and saw them. That was the last Slayer show I went to. Took my daughter, eleven year old daughter, and we got to meet the. They stayed in our hotel. Oh, that's awesome! So shit, man, I can, I can do a, I can do a TED talk in front of twenty eight hundred people. But put me in a hotel lobby with Slayer, man. I'm like weak in the knees. Man, I walked walked right past her. My daughter, she's like, Dad, what were you doing? She pulled off her, she had a a jacket on. She pulled it off. Of course, she had a Slayer shirt shirt on. She's like, we got to go back. And I was like, you sure? She's like, yeah. I'm nervous as hell. What do I do? You talk. You talk. I'll just sit here. (laughs) Hey, honey, honey, you go. Dad's just back in the corner like, hi. I'm right here. Hi. Have him make it out to Dr. Pat. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Could you sign this for me? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That I awesome. had to tell, I was talking to the lead singer, and I was telling him, I mean, a total fanboy, you know. But I was like, man, I said, this might be weird. I said, but all my kids have Slayer birth songs. That's awesome. That's the song, like the first music to ever hit their ears on the ride home from the hospital. I had a different Slayer song queued up. There's something and to that's, it. that's their birth song. Yep. So my yeah, daughter, cool. who was there, so he was like, well, what's your birth song? She said, Cult. It's a, <laughs> it's a, he was like, I don't even know what that it. song is. She said, it's off Christ's illusion. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> drop the album. Awesome. <laughs> yes. That's incredible. She starts singing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one that's got 666. Somebody give me a guitar over here. Let me Mm -hmm. start playing this. That's cool. We have uh, one more pour. Mm -hmm. All right, let's do that. And then we're going to go rapid fire. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. This is going to be fun. So uh, the rapid fire is that it never goes well, but it's always entertaining. It's like Mm -hmm. uh, we we, we stole it from friends. uh, And uh, producer is a big friends, big, big friends fan. Huge. We don't condone Huge. that behavior, but mm-hmm. it's what he. Oh does. look! Plus one just walked up. How can <laughs> oh, Weird. More bourbon. He's hitting me. <laughs> so this uh, is actually um, the same as the first one we tried, our weeded bourbon, but it's bottling bond, so it's a hundred proof, and it's a six year. All right. This. The other one was four. This is about years, to knock your socks months. off. This makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And for those of you in the uh, listening audience, our six-year, we have a, our weed at bourbon as well as our high rye. And the only way that you would be able to tell the difference, the, the, the labels look the same. But on the side of the bottle where it lists the mash bill, it'll say wheat or rye. So this one's a, the weed it. Most of what's available, I don't think any of this got out of the state of Kentucky. 
uh, just the high rye six year. Gotcha. I got that in the state so, of Kentucky. Uh, isn't that, before we go on rapid fire, isn't that? God. I got it out of the state of Kentucky. No, you got out of Ohio, luckily. That's Fair. why I wonder if it's a, if you got the six year in Ohio. I, wonder I got it in Kentucky. The, uh, oh, I got okay. it in Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's the weeder problem. Yeah. How how many? Uh, and this is my my limited knowledge of, of mash bills. How many mash bills do y'all like have? Like a hey, we have four, five, six. How's that? How's that mash bill stuff work? Is it ever changing? Um, or like you have a you well, have, you have, these are set mash bills. The, okay. the three that we tried today. Yeah. But like I said, we do a lot of contract production for other uh, other brands yep. as well as investors and just whoever wants to buy whiskey investors and, possibly yep. you oh yeah that's right man turn some of that furniture money that's right. liquid <laughs> gold <laughs> <laughs> Or hey man, we'll take uh, furniture. She's actually looking back here like I oh, will take some furniture. We'll furniture we'll, for bourbon. We'll, I'll, I'll swap some antique nightstands and That's dining right. room tables hey, for a barrel. Go. Uh, you can go. I'll sell my go. whole house. I don't care. That's what I'm talking about. You can trade your house for barrels if <laughs> yeah, you want. Yeah, so yeah. Just get a hold of me. He has three houses. He's like he's hey, like we'll he's, take like, he's like right. Monopoly guy. He has all of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Boardwalk Park place. place. All that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So y'all, so y'all have the, the the main ones you have. Obviously, you have yeah. multiple others for the people you make with. But y'all say, hey, these are the main <coughs> we go off, and everything mm-hmm. else is a variation of those two yeah. or four. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the, and the ones we make for other people, like we've got one brand that we make for that's a eighty eight percent bloody butcher heirloom corn, mm. and then like whatever the remainder of that split in half between uh, rye and barley. Gotcha. So is is, one is bloody butcher out. any good? Is that is that corn good? Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jep the Creed. If you've yeah. ever heard of yeah. them? They're yeah. in they're near Louisville and Shelbyville. Okay, uh, they make their bourbon from uh, bloody butcher corn. If you've ever heard of like Widow Jane, yeah, up yeah. In, uh, what's the New York. What's, is it Widow yeah. Jane tenure? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they use heirloom corn. I'm not sure if it's bloody butcher, but I think they use okay. uh, heirloom okay. grain as well. Man, the, I'm learning about corn science today. This is pretty yeah. awesome. It, those, the, the, those are plants, by the way. I don't so. know. Here's, here's the best news. Corn's always Doctor. corn, if you're human. Let's just spell with a K. Then it's a band. string guitars. Then it's Jinko jeans and dreadlocks. That's I didn't right. learn about heirloom corn, until I'm, in, which is weird, living in Ohio, just in the middle of farm, uh, farm fields everywhere, cornfields everywhere. When I moved down here, I was introduced to a... Uh, uh, distillery called Troy and Sons. Mm-hmm. They're actually partnered with uh, Highland Brewing now. But the lady that started that, she started using heirloom corn because of her grandfather. Okay. And so they make basically white lightning, but then they put it in Woodford Reserve barrels for, I want to say, 90 days just to kind of give it that amber color. Okay. It's incredible. It's very mm. smooth, very delicious. I'm um, going to interrupt you. This is oh, fucking. I told you, hell, I, I, I done told Pardon you. My friend. I, no, I, Doing the hey. weeder and then the two rise and the weeder oh. in the end, you can really see the yeah. uh, the difference. Normally, I would wow. do I would do this one after this, but right. since these were all barrel strength, yep. I was like, shit, man, you might as well. Because normally, I don't want to burn you out with the barrel strength rye. Right. But since we're already blowing out on barrel strength, everything else, it's well, kind he, of, we'll you, save you, us he, for the little. We, we told him about plus one. He knew plus one was scary. Yeah, he, yeah. Mm-hmm. he knew. <laughs> this, this is man really, this, this is amazing, is amazing. Yeah, this is, and so as smooth. you can tell this definitely is not a neck pour that's the, no that's, no, that's, that's a bottom of the bear that's, a, <laughs> that's been fully oxidized thank, thank you for the last bit of your <laughs> that is experienced that's uh-huh. good <laughs> yeah that's awesome all right let's get into this rapid fire pat mm-hmm. all right you go all right first? we're gonna we're gonna throw you out some questions you just have to answer as quickly as you possibly can yep all right i'll go first keeneland or churchill keeneland all day long my favorite, man favorite chicken sandwich 
Favorite chicken sandwich from Copper and Oak in Danville. Oh, Gotta come okay, get it. Okay. Yep. Now, have you had a Popeye's chicken sandwich yet? I've had Popeye's, Zaxby's, McDonald's. I know. Oh, how's it? I knew I was talking we, to we, a we, fucking we, professional. We haven't had McDonald's yet. We've had all, um, all the rest. For I fast it food. Okay. He so he's a spicy chicken guy, right? Wendy's. I like all chicken. Yeah, I like Wendy's spicy chicken. I like yeah. Wendy's spicy chicken. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I go Popeye's, Wendy's spicy chicken. That's my one-two. That's my one-two. Mm. Yeah. Now I'll have to get to your your spot. What'd you, yeah. What'd you say it was? Copper, Copper and what? Copper and oak. It's Copper and oak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Road trip. Road trip. Yeah. Go ahead. Awesome. Fav- favorite beer. Favorite beer. Bud Light. Oh fuck. Crispy fuck boys. I thought, crispy God, boys. I thought we were on track here. Yeah, but damn. <laughs> I actually nah. did a podcast a, with Fred Minnick and, uh, and yeah, I, yeah. Oh, and I yeah. forget to check it out on uh, YouTube. Absolutely. But uh, my mystery drink I pulled out on him was Bud Light. Is that uh, right? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's Dude, awesome. Minnick, we were on Twitter and somebody tagged us. He comes and goes, Am I getting barbecue? What am I getting here? I'm not sure what Pig and Pickle is, but yeah. I'm interested. <laughs> I thought it was a barbecue place too. I'm, I'm a bush I'm a bush light guy. It's, okay. It's, there's no bitterness, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just like a clean beer. I love drinking it with bourbon. A cold bush light and a neat bourbon. Yeah. Can't give me a when bourbon. I first, it's like negative when I first IBU. turned 21, bush, straight up bush in the 10-ounce mm-hmm. cans is all I ever had. And then I graduated up to natural light. And yes, I remember, yes. I remember distinctively in my career when I could afford to go from natural light That's to right. Bud Light. That's right. That's it right. was like... We've well, made, I've made it. it. <laughs> We've landed. It. It's a status symbol at that point. <laughs> <We're> You're not <laughs> Houston. We don't have a problem anymore. It's a status symbol. The yeah, negative man, balance in the bank account is that. That gone. was also yeah. whenever I got to actually buy a hamburger helper instead of hamburger magic. That's right. That's you right. Can, like, <laughs> you can save like a quarter of a box, man. If you did hamburger magic, <laughs> it's, it's, made it. it's cheap. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's fantastic. What? Uh, what? What? Are hamburgers on sale? Oh, that expires tomorrow. We good. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not red anymore. It's gray. That's right. Uh, crunchy or sixty forty. Crunchy or creamy peanut butter. Creamy. Damn oh it, man. God. Wow. All right. Damn. Seltzer is a whole seltzer phenomenon. Yay or nay? Hell yes. Yeah, yeah my yeah, man. See? All right. Now we're I don't drink them. What? But I, but I like them. Oh, they're delicious. So would you ever tailgate in a laundromat? Yay or nay? Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> One of the most legendary blackouts I've ever had happened yes. in a laundromat. Tale. All right, Absolutely. funny story. We're in Oregon. He blacked out three times within one day. In a laundromat? Yeah. Well, Not no, no, necessarily no, no, no. all in a laundromat. So, so we ran the Hood to Coast Relay, and the, the day after we ran it, we were like, our shit just stinks. So we went to a laundromat, and then we're like, well, while we're waiting for our shit, there's a you know a gas station right across the street. We go over there, get a bunch of beer. Oh, and, of, and two Michelada's. And two Michelada's. And we just start drinking out of the van. We've been riding. It's full of sweat for the last two days Damn. in the parking lot. We drank for, it was what, two fantastic. hours? It was fantastic. We it drank was for two the, hours. The, listen, that, we listened to podcasts, and podcast. we drank a lot of beer. And we went to the Goonies Rock after that, and then blacked out again. Being the local connoisseur, I looked at the these Goonies boys. Rock. Yes, yeah, right. The, the, Goonies Rock. The, the, the official Goonies Rock. The Goonies Rock. Rock. Yeah. At the that, end, yeah. That is when the Pick and Pickle started. That was exactly the origins of our show. Yep. All right. All right. Bikini or One Piece? Not for you specifically, just in general. Please, God, not for you. I'll say One Piece. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Favorite rock band we already covered. Fucking Slayer. All right. All right. Uh, Wildcat. Enzo LMA. That's my band. Wildcats or Cardinals? 
Fuck. Wow, Cam. There, there he is. So you just gained one extra fan. Yes, he lives about did. two miles that way. He, he drinks all the bourbon. So you're literally, good. the he, kid yeah. won't drink Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. He because says, he's a wildcat. He says, fan. I cannot drink it because if Kentucky loses Tennessee and I drank Jack Daniels, well, it's, it's Louisville. My fault. Well, Cardinals Louisville. So. Yeah. Yeah. So There's it's only one shade of blue. I like, yeah. I like the light blue. That's colors. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'll forgive you. Do you uh, Do you like Tennessee whiskey? Um, I like the fact that we sell a lot of yeast down there. Okay, but, uh, gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. You're not drinking. No, Tennessee I like whiskey. Tennessee whiskey. Okay, yeah, I like I like all kinds of whiskey. Yeah, yeah. But the, the folks over at um, um, shoot, it's a Nelson Green guys. Yeah, Nelson uh, Greenbrier. Yeah, what's uh, over in Nashville? Yeah, Bellmead. Yeah, Bellmead, Bellmead right? Yeah. They're yeah. they're making bourbon, mm-hmm. but they're they're also doing Tennessee whiskey, or are they? Uh, I believe they do. I'm okay. not 100. They yeah. do like the honey, and they do yeah. finishing. And honey goes for. Stupid dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't understand it. Yet. I don't understand I'm not really it. big on flavored flavored. I'm not either. Mm. No. No. Man, I, I, this... I, I, I did hear, I've heard that the screwball peanut butter whiskey, it's some drink you make, right? What, what mm-hmm. do you call it? Peanut butter and jelly, the PB&J. What do you, yeah. what, what's in there? It's screwball whiskey, ice, and like a, a little splash of cranberry juice. Mm. Yeah. It's I was, to be I was thinking great Pedialyte. It's, it's, it's kind of weird how much like peanut butter that stuff tastes. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. nuts. it shows you chemistry and full force of just mm-hmm. flavors. You know, I feel just toss a can of Jeff in the in the in the still and just figure it out, right? Yeah, you could creamy well, I, creamy Jeff apparently. No, creamy, yeah. crunchy only. Yeah, yeah. Oh. However, uh, have you had Reese's peanut butter from the jar? In the jar? What? No, that's I a thing. Blew my yeah. mind. A buddy, yeah. we we were at uh, Belmonte. He was running a race. And one of the guys that ran the 50K brought everybody gifts. He's like, hey, I know you love peanut butter. Try the Reese's peanut butter in a jar. It tastes like a peanut butter cup minus chocolate. Mm. It was like crack. Well, it's it's basically peanut butter plus sugar, right? Mm. right. A don't, lot of sugar. Don't make it sound worse. No, I'm not making it sound worse. Delicious. I'm just saying what it we is. Delicious. We are beacons of health. Okay. We are bodies and temple. F3. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fitness, <laughs> foundations, or fatness. Fatness. Yes. fatness. Yeah, there you go. Okay, got it. Hey, listen, Pat. What I really appreciate appreciate about Wilderness Trail is everything that you want, everything you guys are doing. Um, you guys aren't trying to cut the corners. I said that earlier. Yes, you, for sure. You could potentially bottle all of this stuff or barrel all of this stuff and make it somewhat unique or put it in a different barrel, put it in, uh, what do they got, the port barrels, the sherry barrels. You could do all that shit and probably make a ton of money. You're focused on creating the best bourbon, which you said. Mm. Absolutely love that. This was delicious. It's great. Uh, amazing. Yes. And yeah. I hope you're making a ton of money because this is worth it. That's good. I appreciate you talking to producer in his language when you're talking about all the chemistry and science mm-hmm. earlier. We, For uh, once, dude. You, educational <laughs> people on the show. Nerds. Nerds. You absolutely lost us, but for him, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, well, I got a 16-hour version of that I do. It may shine to you if you're ever interested in something. I mean, we, you know what? We, yeah, we, we'll be in. That's what um, we do. We're, we're going to do our, our bourbon trip to get our master's in Moonshine University, baby. That's we're right. going to pick a barrel from your, uh, from your uh, Rick House. Sweet. No, this is, this is legit. So uh, we've been talking about a barrel pick. Mm-hmm. And whenever you guys get to North Carolina, whenever you're ready, let us know. We'd love to do a yeah. pick and pickle barrel pick. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This would be to. awesome. So, man, I appreciate it. This Thank is awesome. Thank you all very much. Yeah, appreciate incredible. You so much. Thank appreciate you. it. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pig and Pickle and also on Twitter at The Pig and Pickle. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. And until the next episode, 
Go work your asses off and enjoy all that life has to offer.